currently experiencing a delay because of train traffic. Please enjoy some vaporwave while we resolve operational procedures. We apologize for any inconvenience. talking about our Flamingo Fest Festival, Flamingo Fest 2023, the Vaporwave and Future Funk Festival in LA. It just happened in uh, November 3rd and 4th <laughs> um, at Catch One and High Tide and uh, it was a really uh, amazing time. So we wanted to sit down with some of the people that helped make this show possible and made it um, something really special and uh, brought uh, the second side of Vaporwave, as some of you may say, the visual component. Um, today I have here with me none other than All Hell Breaks Loops, Videodrome TV, Jumper Kimmins, and Moray Bender. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. How's everybody doing? That's good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, doing good. Yep. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, I'm really excited to be sitting down with everybody, and we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this and um, you know give us that behind the scenes look. Maybe you know show a little bit of how that sausage was made, as they say. Um, I think some people are well. We have a lot of video people in the scene, a lot of visual artists. You know, like I said, that is half of Vaporwave. And um, people, are, I think, uh, also are just interested in like what all that equipment does, <laughs> you know, uh, how how everything gets put together. So, yeah, let's dive into it. I've got a lot of questions for you, and I think we will just kind of run along at, with this and just see where the conversation takes us. So, first off, I just want to explain the dynamic that we had for Flamingo Fest as far as the visual component goes. We have the analog video component and the digital. And that was a pretty uh, interesting way, I think, to approach, you know, we had two stages essentially on the day two of Flamingo Fest. And so um, getting one stage uh, with analog and one stage with digital offered a very unique, uh, you know, experience for our uh, ticket purchasers, our, our our audience. So yeah, we have the some of you, if you were attending or saw online in the live stream, we have uh, the table uh, by the stage where we have our um, three of you actually, and then um, the that was the the jewels room uh, at Catch One. And uh, the Noise Tavern, I think it's the Noise Room, uh, ran by All Hell Breaks Loops for the entire day, the entire 12 hours by one man. So we'll, we'll get into that as well. But um, and, oh, yeah. And uh, the day one Friday at High Tide LA 
that was the analog uh, approach as well with uh, the three gentlemen we have here, Jumper Kimmins, Moray Bender, and Videodrome TV. So with that said, let's get into the nitty gritty. Um, how exactly do you approach all of you making live videos? You know, some of you stream online, you have a a lot of hardware and software applications that uh, you, you're using to either manipulate video pre-made or you're making videos. So, um, you know, how, how does it all work with you guys? Maybe we can start with the, uh, the analog component since you guys did uh, two days worth. Anthony, I think you live out there in L.A., right? So you're able to bring a lot of that equipment for us and whatnot. Maybe we can just get started there. Right. Yeah. So um, we pulled up Friday and we knew that we were going to do some kind of like combined setup between the three analog artists. And so um, I got there. And since I'm local, uh, I brought, you know, a decent amount of gear. And so I was like, OK, we'll use my video mixer as kind of the final out. And that will allow us to choose what is being sent at any given time and also allows us to have any combination of uh, any of our stuff at any given time as well. So, so there was like a basis of like, you know, certain people are responsible for certain sets, but it also allows space for collaboration for another person to be contributing to the set. It's just like that person that's responsible for it is like kind of mainly responsible for what's happening, but then the additions kind of come in where they're applicable. And so um, like, for instance, uh, times that came up were when um, like jumper would be doing a set and um, I had a kind of a handy cam, like a, um, camcorder camera and so sometimes it's cool to just sort of put the the camera seeing the performers uh right there as a top layer on top of the visuals or like get it in the mix somehow and so there was times when jumper was doing uh some cool stuff but we just also wanted to uh include the energy and like the movement of the performers kind of like you know vibing and dancing and stuff and it just kind of like elevates the experience for you know both us the visualists and for you know everybody in the room enjoying it and you know they're thinking about that it's it's real it's all happening right in front of you and even the visuals mm. are all happening right now um yeah, so that's that's, that's that a, real, a really cool feature uh, yeah um you know it just reminds everybody that we are all here in the same room which is it which is a crazy thing in itself because this festival involves so many people flying out so, you know, that's that's kind of one of the things with visuals that you can kind of add to the experience in that way. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so, so the underlying. Yeah. 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 Like so. So that combined setup was really cool for that reason. Um, and we were able to basically just plug our gear into each other and just pass signals uh, to each other to eventually create whatever the final product might be based on the vibe of the music, you know? So it's we're we're listening and hearing the vibe of it and then outputting what we think matches that. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. It's such a unique way to do it. Like, I don't know how typical that is in the video world or the analog video world, like three different people. Like, you know, some people 
you know, it's a very personal thing doing video and, right. you know, you got three people like not competing, but they could, you could see it maybe like that. Right. Like it's hard to know what's really going right. on. There. And yeah. it's, it's like, it's like you're all making a meal together, sort of adding different spices yeah. and flavors. And yeah. it's so cool. Cooking, cooking in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And I can imagine, you know, one dude that gets hired for a job might be like, okay, this is my job. This is my zone. Nobody else is doing anything in this zone. This is all me. And that's, you know, cool too, because it's a, 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 a singular vision and it's all executed straight through. But this is sort of a different approach that is a little looser and mm-hmm. allows for, yeah, you know, like the, the multiple cooks in the kitchen, which like might read as like, oh, how does that work? But when you get in here and, and you start collaborating and mixing together and, and, you know, you got the whole night to be, you know, even experimenting a little bit and like seeing what can be done and find the possibilities. Like, especially the fact that we had, you know, kind of two long days back to back, we, we got a lot of time to really uh, uh, figure out this setup even more. And, mm-hmm. and we're like, now we get it, it's working. What can we do with this even beyond, um, you know, just what mm-hmm. we know and to do. Yeah. So by the way, everyone, that's Moray Bender speaking. Please give them a follow on Instagram and socials. We'll put links in the episode description. And uh, yeah, that's such an interesting point. Like uh, the way that you like interact with each other. It was just fun, man. The whole thing was just so much fun. And we had time to figure things out. You know? Yeah, you like you you have the chance to, to do it live together. And we had this this discord group where we were when i invited everybody to be a part of this and um we started talking about okay like what what's going to look like who are the artists um i know a lot of you reached out to artists as as well to get an idea of what it could be and so there's a component of your work being done beforehand before we 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 get to the event and y'all did a lot of work putting a lot of video together so that it would be usable on the day of and i remember when we all met at high tide for the first time well the three of us i'm sorry tyler you're gonna be excluded for the little for a little bit here all good uh, um thank you yeah appreciate it um at high tide for for day one when you started getting that table set up and then it was like okay like what we theorized in text ASCII characters talking to each other online is now like here physical and like we're actually got the hardware and just working out how you know everything's going to work together and how y'all are going to work together I thought that was just really cool thing and then having that first whole day to iron out you know the three of you and and do the dance so to speak right and then day two it was like all right let's do it all again and bet better and bigger this time and faster um like me and me and jumper were we looked at each other after we set up the table and we're like why do we feel like that took like 20 minutes because it did it took 20 minutes we set up like an entire station and wires and it was all like it it, we didn't have any problems like as soon as we turned the power on it it worked and it was amazing so what so what was the experience on friday were there any obstacles to to 
to get through and you know or just slower having to figure out the process and you were masters of it by the second day i think you yeah. set up pretty smooth honestly yeah. well you know your you know what your way around all that stuff but yeah just getting it done so it was quickly. I, I was thinking uh you know there's a a lot of gatekeeping that comes with some genres of music or you know different like you, you kind of saying like with certain artists, you know, like when they have a singular vision and just for me, it, it, it struck me how quickly we all started working together, you know, seamlessly. And I mean, first of all, I, I look up, a, look up to all the artists here. Um, but just being able to, once we kind of got found our rhythm, you know, hearing video drum say like, Hey, can you, can you do that setting on Moray's mixer, you know? Can you do this? And then Moray would say something else to to video drum, and like all three of us collaborating live in time, and it it felt like we had been doing this, you know, for for years. It just mm-hmm. kind of felt so seamless. Uh, at least it did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I th- it was so cool to see it as an observer too, just letting you guys have at it, like you know, just because I understand a little bit of it. I I do some video stuff too, not as much on the analog side, but uh, yeah, it was so like the your your video chemistry just flew together it's like perfectly patrick you're a little quiet over there video drum. what's that you quiet you quiet oh oh no i'm sorry no i'm just sitting here listening to everyone i mean yeah i mean i can you know i can play right off of, off of what everyone was just saying like it's like Please the, do. The, the synchronicity the you know being able to work together like as three people <clears throat> at certain points um i do remember asking Moray to, you know, jump because the mixer is all the way over. Like, I don't know how much speed it was, you know, saying to where uh, a portion of my gear is set up. So we're trying to work it out in our heads, you know, I'm saying how are we able to, you know, we can't reach across, you know, obviously. So, you know, there there became like a a synchronicity at points where I, you know, nobody had to even say anything and they just jumped to like the correct, you know, to the to the correct gear that needed to be played at the time. And just and just just being able to to play off each other, and then you have the musicians, like you know what I'm saying. So then it's this whole like trifecta, you know what I'm saying, where it all comes into play live. Like that's what it's all about, mm-hmm. in my opinion. When it when it comes down to to doing visuals, and it's all about live. So because yeah. you you want to be in sync with the artist, and then and then as well as we're synced with each other, and which is very rare. Like uh, it reminds me of like Invisible Scratch Pickles. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them. They were. Uh, they're a dj they were a dj crew and you know what i'm saying then so like there's oh. like three djs all lined up together you know what i'm saying creating music you know one off of one each off of each other so it kind of reminded me of that of being able to to play off of each other and then being able just you know to to lock in it was it was yeah. incredible mm-hmm. well there is like you are kind of doing video djing like right like oh, it's, most it's live it's improvisation mm-hmm. showtime too right yeah like, i mean there's a there's a there's the t-bar of course involved in the t-bar i look at as you know a fader on a mixer you know that's mm-hmm. that's the way i look at it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know and yeah. you know i mean yeah i mean there's you know there's just great times you know i mean there was highlights i mean i don't know if we're discussing highlights and things like that Please. there was oh um the i mean just alone the the eye click well i mean i guess it was just will correct yeah, so, unfortunately, in um, rail so was ill. At some at some point during the show, like I don't know if he requested it, but this was completely unknown to us, at least for me. 
was that the lights were killed. Like the, um, they killed like all the lights, like the, uh, the, there was like a yeah. lot of purple, like, you know, strobe lights yeah, and things they like asked that. Me if, of, I could, kind of if I could get yes. them to turn it off for their set, make it more intimate. So that got all killed. And then I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, How Oh, this is perfect yeah. to, to do the negative effect. Ooh, um, yeah. and try to be in sync with will, which is almost impossible. But like that, I love that challenge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because their their music, you know what I'm saying, will just be like, you know, just a chaotic, beautiful mess, which is just sounds so perfect. And to be in sync with that negative button, because we're hitting a sync button on the mixer. So I'm trying to time it to him hitting his buttons up there. So that like, again, mm -hmm. there's just this, predicted a this little bit. nice like combination of the two. So I was like, you know, I was like, let's do negative over this whole set. Mm -hmm. And I believe you could probably see it in the video. Yeah, in the live stream video. Yeah, so that was that was an incredible highlight. Oh, you know, that was that was great being able to do that. Um, another one was during um, uh, Melanade. Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, <laughs> at one point, Jumper has a, a. I want him to explain his part of this, but he has a Sega Genesis running. So he throws Mortal Kombat on while I'm messing with the fruit assets that I have, like of melons, and I shrink it down, and I'm able to take the melon and put it over top of one of the characters that he's fighting in Mortal Kombat. That was just incredible. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Control that was an awesome experience. Yeah, yeah, no, that I'm glad you mentioned it because for me that was also a highlight because so. Moray and Videodrome, so like they they collaborated. I, I I don't remember who had the assets, like who was kind of in charge, quote unquote, of the set. But I remember, you know, Videodrome had some assets, and he's like, you know, he gave me so many, and then I added some. So they're they're doing the set right, and then it's like the screen is raining watermelons, and Moray's kind of gotten like the like the glitching aspect of it, and then Videodrome is just really modulating these assets and spinning them around and making them do swirls and all kinds of cool stuff. And so I'm kind of standing there in the middle and I'm thinking, <laughs> Hey, can you guys, uh, like, I, I kind of like whispered over to Moray. It's like, Hey, can you, can you fade with the T bar real quick? And I, I lined up, I, I have my childhood Sega Genesis that my dad got me when I was like three years old Yeah. and I had Mortal Kombat one. And so I chose sub zero. And so he like fades in and I just remember the timing of the music was great because it's like this really upbeat future funk track. And, the, and, you know, the guys are up on stage and everybody's dancing. And then you see Sub-Zero appear with a watermelon <laughs> over his head. And we're like all three of us are just cracking up as, as I'm playing Mortal Kombat. And it just it's so surreal. Yeah. But it was it was live and it was it was, you know, it was improv. It was like, you know, we didn't expect that to happen. But it, I think it really made a good moment for for the set. Mm. So good. Yeah. I was like crying. I'm so glad we have that uh that live stream. Unfortunately, um we weren't able to get the capture of the VOD for the uh for we were for one of the stages on the second day. Um so we we don't have the VOD for that unfortunately, but we're putting we're pu putting something together, a little super cut to uh so, you know, try and piece together uh, as much as we can yeah, from, that, from that set. Yeah, sure. tons, tons of video. If you have any video and you haven't submitted it, actually, 
there's a Dropbox link we'll put in the description of the show here. Uh, if you have any photo or video that you want to be featured in the Supercut or on the Utopia District website, um, please, or just, you know, help us uh, fill the, you know, any missing footage or any missing artists we might have for that stage, the noise yeah. stage, um, Tyler's stage, the digital um set but you know part of it is you had to be there right that's part of why we, we all come out right and it's all about doing it live but uh it is cool to be able to look back as well a little bit so um especially for, oh i'm for, sorry for one more me, highlight part I, for I me missed, missed a lot of it yeah please more highlights uh, i'm sorry just one more i was just thinking like um it was a synchro start like it was like yeah, I, I had I had a few sets. I didn't have as many as as everyone else. So like, cause some of my sets got cut, unfortunately, some of the artists couldn't perform. Um, so you know, I so my sets were cut down a little bit. But being able to do his set because I made one for him back in 2021 for an online, and being able to to you know again, uh, you know, what I'm saying I'm playing on words, but being able to be in sync with mm. him. You know, in person, which is, you know, just it's, you know, it's great. You know, it's amazing to be able to, you know, after after years of, you know, working with someone online and then being able to to create, you know, visual arts while they're creating music at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing. So yeah. that was just that was just another one of my highlights. From yeah. That. Yeah. I, I the same experience, actually, with uh, the Future Funk Monthly set, because nice. I did a, a stream with him and um it wasn't like i don't think it was one of the first ones i did but it was one that i felt really good about i i really liked what i did with his set it was a lot of fun super just fun energy set and then his set in person also super fun energy and so after the set i went up to him and i was just like dude you're real you're a real person <laughs> you're here in flesh. it's <laughs> crazy <man. laughs> Yeah, that's that's so cool, man. And to be able to do that live, like create, have that, like, you know. And and then again, just like yeah, just like you mentioned, just being able to meet everyone in person after all these years, and like mm -hmm. you know, being able to work together, you know. And, and you know, what I'm saying meeting, you know, Jumper met already before, but you know, just just everyone, you know, all hell and Moray, you know, what I'm saying, I've you know, what I'm saying, been watching these people work for years. And, you know what I'm saying, to finally be able to, to meet in person. Mm -hmm. And it is. It's a surreal. You know what I'm saying? It can be, you know, overwhelming for certain people and stuff like that. And But, you know, again, you just remember that, you know, we're all people. We're all just creating something. And, and just be able right. to create it live is, is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Like that. You guys made the recipe. You had all the ingredients. Then you just had to fucking jam it out and make that shit. And, and it was so Brilliant. fucking good. It was delectable, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for putting us on man oh it's yeah. it's my pleasure it's an honor truly um can we talk about some of the well actually you know you know what we've spent a lot of time talking about the analog let's jump over quickly we'll go back to analog later and guys feel free to jump in at any point and interrupt me or interrupt each other whether you're on digital or analog um but yeah please um Tyler, all hell breaks loops. Let's dive into the digital side. Um, how does that work? You know, how do you bring out the uh, universe of the artist when uh, you kind of have to? I assume you're kind of just making everything, right? All the assets and whatnot. 
Yes, yes and no, right? Like any good podcast answer. Um, so <laughs> the yes part is like to kind of point out that it's a, it's a bit of a misnomer, right? It is absolutely like a digital, like like the final path is digital in that there's an HDMI, there's a graphics card that connects over HDMI. But I get assets from the artists and I have zero visibility on how those are made. So there might actually be analog workflows that are going into the assets that are given to me mm-hmm. and then I'm using them. So it could be a quote unquote analog asset that I'm using digitally and manipulating and then sending out, you know, digitally to a projector and all that. Mm-hmm. But so I would say there is a difference in like like the ones, the sets that I uh, let's say like Dan Mason set, right? That one was 100% me for content. All I was provided with was like a logo. And then that one, I had to fill in all the blanks, right? And then there are other sets, like another one, another example would be like Limousine, where it's provided a 35 minute long video. Um, although really, I, I feel like it's doing a disservice or it's not the right word to call it liminal because it's cars and there's a lot of them and there's density, but there, it is a highway and so there's a lot of movement of transportation or cities. But the content given to me for limousine set where I was given a long form video and then a logo, mm-hmm. which I then combined and that was the presentation. But my 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 main approach is for each artist, hey, based on what the artist communicated or the separate conversations or whatever, let me try to get an idea of what they're trying to present for their visuals mm-hmm. and then execute on that, right? So some artists said, hey, here's a 35-minute loop, like a R-graph, right? It was literally a let's work out a system and then 4321 hit play, and everything that I play should be synced up with everything that R-graph is performing live on all the hardware sense and everything. That was one artist approach. It leaves a lot of room for error. If I sneeze, everything's off, right? So, uh, you know, hold your breath, oh, wow. but that's another approach, yeah. right? So, like... That one, R-Graph, I don't, I don't know, you know, the techniques used. Um, I've seen R-Graph VJ with Resolume and stuff like that elsewhere. You know, they're very prolific, multi-talented, you know, multi-hat like many of us. Um, but that's a different approach as well. So there are ones that I definitely spun up from scratch and took a digital approach. And then there were others that I was given an asset and said, hey, just play this. And then there were others where I was given 10 minutes worth of loops and actually cut that into eight sections and actually have each of the sections playing based off of, um, uh, there's there's a piece of software that's running, analyzing the beat, counting, sending that count into Resolume and Resolume should actually be moving the clips. uh, It should be giving you slightly different loop combinations every 64 um, bars, right? So there's actually some really behind the scenes if you're really tapping your foot you're actually tapping it with something on the visuals yeah. that you might not know but is going on there so there's a number of different approaches but my main thing is like the biggest compliment i can get in a role like this where i am doing a lot of quote-unquote video jockeying where i'm just playing somebody's video for them in the time that they asked for uh, my biggest compliment is wow everything looks so different it looked like each artist had their own vision on stage. That's the best thing I can get. Because mm-hmm. it's not, oh, hey, your visuals are great. I mean, thank you, but do you know which ones are mine and which ones weren't? I, I think any of us would be kind of challenged to really point out, oh, I could definitely tell that one's Tyler's and that one's not. But that's not the point. The point is all those executions happened, right? And some mm-hmm. artists are like, hey, all I have is a logo. Can you fill in the blanks? I can. Hey, I have this really, really tight vision. Can I plug my laptop in stage and just run it from there? You can. Hey, I have a... Um, team of guest visualists that are coming in is there room upstairs to fit all the analog gear for a set uh let's see right so these are all the sort of you know things and you know that my approaches were it actually benefited me and the workflow to have the smallest footprint possible because when i even showed up to the very spacious tech area 
part of it was already taken up by the recording crew, right? There was a very large, very beautiful old school VHS, you know, um, um, uh, camcorder next to a more modern Steam Deck with a camera. You know, all these were taking up space. I was like, oh, I didn't factor. F- we we didn't we didn't include that in the Discord call, but there it was regardless. Oh, hey, this is a festival. Does it benefit the organizers to try to get you know these special you know captures and textures to the event? Absolutely. Can I fit in a you know like I don't know 16 inch by you know 16 inch square? Let me see. So um, it's it's a very different approach. But again, I think at the end of the day, we're just trying to get the artist to their vision. And I think the analog approach is a lot more literally analog and literally hands on to. Oh, okay, got it, boss. You like blue and red. Let me have those colors for my liquid lights ready. Oh, you said blue and red. Okay, um, I know. I have this VHS collection of sort of black and white stuff, and if I run it through this gear, I can nudge the chroma, and I can get more blue and red out of this gear. You know, I have a workflow, right? So there, we're, we're, we're executing on the same thing. We're just using very different, you know, knobs and dials and digital converters and whatnot yeah. in between. Yeah. And what is your like main tools that you use to do that? Like it's Resolume and um, a couple, maybe a couple other. Uh, so Re- Resolume is definitely like the bread and butter um, because it does. It's like so I don't even know if it makes sense to explain it in terms of guitar pedals because in a past life that's that's what I did. And so I'll describe some of the visual things like oh, it's like plugging guitar pedals into each other. Um, but I, I'll, I, I'll rattle off the main names. So then Resolume does the main stuff. Um, I like to use a lot of shaders, which are, you know, code that's literally just math describing visual looks. And those are launched and um, uh, there's some audio reactive trickery in uh, another app called Synesthesia. Um, All of the really hacker brain, how can I talk to a Twitch API that talks to the current weather conditions that um, has a methane filter. So whenever I fart, the visuals turn purple. Um, That's all touch designer. Um, and right. then, um, oh, oh, Unreal Engine, that's, that's my, makes everything look real pretty, um, where I do a lot of my content in for motion graphics and for a lot of the renders that I do. Um, if you, anyone's listening or watching or looking recently at the Groovy Kaiji release for Grooving Through the Galaxy, all that art was done in Unreal Engine and then crunched up to make it look like a PSX game, but that's, that's a separate conversation. Oh, awesome. Um, so those are the main two, oh, Blender, Blender's the, the, like, if, un, if, Resolume is like the Swiss Army knife for connecting to video walls, and Blender is like the Swiss Army knife for 3D assets. So, um, yeah, those are the tools of, of my trade, at least. Nice. I have some questions coming later about the the tools for <clears throat> for everybody, but um, yeah, there's a lot of different approaches for how you can pipe in and work with different assets, and and especially on the video side, when you're creating some of the assets too, it kind of like there's a world of different ways you can do it. Um, but how much like improv would you say goes into the, your performance live? Oh, and by the way, the, wasn't that a cool room though, upstairs, uh, at that stage, like being able to look down and see the crowd, uh, below you and the stage below you, like way out. I remember I have some photos and video actually from, being on stage looking up at you guys looking down at us which is like a very ominous like cool cool uh footage and photo but yeah how much like uh improv would you say goes into like that version or is it all kind of just pre-baked and you kind of just like let it happen and make sure it stays for me it depends on the approach um so and it depends on how much preparation i have so like in the case of this, because there are so many moving pieces, we got a lot of the artist specs or assets or things way in advance, or at least I knew who I had to worry about. 
Um, so then in terms of improv, like, am I selecting this clip from a, you know, from a selection of clips, like on the fly? No, I'm grouping them all together. So I've got like buckets or decks or, you know, things that I can pull of for sort of common looks. Um, for these sort of sets where I definitely know this artist is playing at this time and I can expect, you know, this sort of energy, um, then I'll, I'll, I'll pre-compose. So I'll build out a deck that will more or less have like eight sort of look combinations. And then I can kind of permutate between those to get kind of iterations. Um, but I usually try to get those every time the quote unquote energy changes. So that doesn't necessarily mean within a song. That means maybe a verse to a chorus or something like that. Uh, but in terms of strobing and knowing when to go straight to black and knowing when to kind of pepper effects on top, that's all improvisation. That's all of me getting back in like high school jazz band mode, you know, oh, okay, we're going to trade 16s or something like that, you know, so that is an interesting sort of overlap. I don't know if anyone else has any sort of history of other artistic endeavors improvising, whether that's painting or music, and if that overlaps with visuals. Mm -hmm. um, so it's definitely, I set myself up so that, I, like, stress is a huge thing, right? I set myself up, I do the work so that if I have to just go on autopilot, it'll still look good. And if I'm in a good spot, and like, I don't have to like, deal with crazy fires or anything like that, then I can really get into the MIDI controller and, and get into the performative mm -hmm. improvisational element. But because especially festivals have so many unexpected curveballs, I always set myself up so that if I have to just put this on autopilot and like step away from 10 minutes, I can do so. Because sometimes that 10 minutes means the world for prepping the artist logo that they just got updated or, you know, something, oh, hey, this could use an extra pair of hands, an extra brain. I have a mode to just go autopilot. Let me do this. Let me come back to that, which is, I don't know if there's an equivalent in the analog world. Um, I, I, you know, I think we all wish we had an autopilot for every part of our lives, whether it's driving or talking on a podcast or whatever. But um, <laughs> that's definitely part of the, how do you cover that many hours? You you have a, you have an easy mode button for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a great approach. Uh, good advice for everybody too. I, uh, <laughs> Can I piggyback on those you just said yeah, here? Yeah, please. So, firstly, I was also in jazz band in high school, and I've played in many bands that aren't literally playing songs. They're just, like, four or five dudes in a room, and they're like, yeah, let's just jam. Like, no specific, like, just somebody start, and four people jump on it, and we try to make changes together at the same time, and it's this big, moving, like, Megazord thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's just... Yeah, that's just what like jamming is uh, and being responsive to the music, being being both a listener and a player at the same time. Um, and especially and I could see it, you know, when you do your like resolute visuals, like uh, like when you're doing the live stuff, you're pulsing with the music and you're feeling it and and therefore putting out um, the thing that emphasizes that. Um, and it's like it's basically like playing. I'm a bass player, so it's it's literally like playing playing a bass line that goes along with the chord progression of the song, et cetera, et cetera. And I was trying to remember the other thing that you said right at the end that I was going to elaborate on. Oh, it was how how do you um, fill like a long space if you have a long uh, like a long day or a long uh, amount of sets or whatever. And so for us, we can sort of step away if we have something that runs longer. So that could either be pre-prepared -pre content that we're running into the analog, and it could be like a long video or any loop or whatever, or the VHS comes in clutch in that way because if you've got a tape and the whole tape is good or you've made a tape mixtape of, of good stuff, mm. like especially Jumper did that stuff like super, super well. Um, but that allows you to 
have something playing while you're maybe doing something else like prepping the logo like you said or or like if you need you know a lot of good stuff like all day you you bring a bunch of good tapes and and just you know remix them a little bit and flip them and like now it's this synthesized visual thing and then when you're ready to drop the thing that you were preparing in the meantime then it's just like it, it explodes you know it just takes takes it up uh once you've like queued that thing up and then you know you're like you know when that moment is because you're listening yeah. and you're hearing like it build up and you're like all right now is the time yeah. and it's like oh man that's yeah. that's yeah. so cool like the feeling like it's hard to describe like the improv and the feeling mm -hmm. of like vibing off of something or like finding that perfect moment and it's like holy fuck man yeah you know like, it's everyone's so hype yeah yeah, if, if I could, I, I'd be happy to. It, oh, no, it, sorry, it, it sorry, happens. Adrian. Yeah, it happens, and it's great when it happens. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we that's what we uh, want. You know, that's what we shoot for. Go ahead, jumper. Uh, if I could, I, I'd like to. Yeah, I appreciate you know, Maury calling out the the mixtapes. I was just gonna mention, kind of like also what Tyler was saying. You know, the analog side of like, what do you do to fill time? So I, uh, I for me, I feel like you know, our table, everybody had their own strength you know, what they brought, you know, to, to the show. And I, I really enjoy collecting various VHS clips or, you know, clips via VHS. And so I have a couple of copies that I brought with me. Cause like when we flew over, you know, I'm, I'm flying from Arkansas and I think I brought like 19 VHS tapes to LA. Um, some of them were the same that I brought previously to Brooklyn when we did the tape swap and, you know, for before econ or after econ. And, uh, so for that, what I had made, cause I, I was like, LA was kind of like what I wanted to do in New York. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and it which New York was a great opportunity. It was a great time. No, no, no shade to that at all. Um, so I, I've got probably like. I don't know, somewhere like 300 VHS tapes, probably total. And most of those are Jeez. instructional. Yeah. <laughs> they're like instructional tapes. And the thing is, the funny thing is like, there are very few movies. Like I've got very few movies. Anybody wants to watch. It's like, you know, train rides and video cycles and um, instructional DIY, how to build the deck, how to grill meat, how to, you know, my favorite, how to style a scarf. You know, it's all of these <laughs> tapes that nobody watches anymore. But anyway, I, so what I decided for that was, okay, I want to make a mixtape and that way I can press play and within reason, it's going to match the music. So I, I got our, our dining room table, our kitchen table, and I set up four VCRs and all of those are running into a little switch box. Like it's got the buttons on the top that you can have, you know, input one, input two, input three, input four, and then it outputs to a master signal. I had a little VCR TV combo and what I did and with the help of my very loving wife who is not really in the scene at all and I, I don't say that as an insult like you know she's an outsider like she thinks it's cool she, she, she respects me for doing it but like she's like why are you messing with all these tapes like you know <laughs> yeah you know she, she's like she can't you do this easier on a computer and I'm like yes but you know there's no but like it's you're right <laughs> she is um, so but I really that's, that's awesome Thank you. She really was. And she was, I was so happy that she got to be there with me for, for Flamingo Fest. But what we did for, for the tape swap, and then this is what I used, I had all four VCRs going. And then what I did is I got a collection of like my hundred top tapes. And we just made a conveyor belt 
And for about two hours, I'd press record on the master tape and then we'd pop a tape into each VCR and then yeah. click input one for 10 seconds. And then when she hit input two, I would eject the tape, put a tape in VCR one while it's recording VCR two. And then we did that. Oh my God. Wow. Over and over again for like an hour, 45 minutes. So you didn't minutes. have to like run around the table and you still have time to put in the new tape. Exactly. Wow, that's exactly. Wild. And then it got about halfway through and she's like, get out of the way. I'm fasting. So she's <laughs> doing it all herself. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you that's are. Amazing. Um, that's but real so, support so, right there. Yeah. It was. And, and I really appreciate her help. And so what that made was, so then I made a copy of that tape. Like I made two extra copies just because I'm I'm very like, you know, I love to have a backup plan, obviously with hardware and analog stuff, you know, tapes can get eaten or, you know, you, mm. as, as we've, as I, ha what happened Friday, I dropped King Quartz tape and busted the front end of it off, which I was kind of freaking out. Cause I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And, and video drum more is like, no, no, don't worry. You can still play a tape without the, the front sleeve of it. I was like, I was panicking. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, that was like four hours of work, you know? Oh my God. Um, you hear about that yeah Holy crap yeah that's, that's and uh, good to know yeah so but but having that that mixtape you know so i had basically an hour and a half of clips and like every 10 seconds was a different visual you know different movie completely different style but the only thing but what they had in common was is they were they were analog you could see tape degradation most of the time they were you know people's faces or they were something that people can like you know you can just kind of associate kind of anything with with it, you know. And so for a few of the sets that I worked on, I was able to, you know, when the artists were like, hey, I don't have anything in mind, do whatever you want. I would put that tape in and then Videodrome More, we would just collaborate, you know, throw some different colors on there or kind of glitch it out a certain way. And, you know, it, it made the job a lot easier because it's like, okay, I've got, you know, an hour and a half. And if each set is like 20 minutes, that means I've got a couple of sets out of this. Tape. So mm -hmm. that was kind of nice to have. Awesome. You know, as a and if, it, if I'm, if I'm correct too, from your stories, uh, did you leave some of those tapes like around the city? I, I did. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, shout out spirit airlines, super cheap tickets, but you have very little space. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was able to kind of cram my bag on the way, which they complained and I had to move stuff around. So on the way back, I was like, and I don't have enough room for all this stuff. So what I did, and that was my first time in LA too. Like it was, I love this, love the experience. Um, you know, it was a really cool city to be a part of and to, to work in. And so, yeah, we, so after Flamingo Fest, it, which it was my wife's birthday, um, you know, so I, I told her, I was like, let's just, you know, you, you spent two days with me, you know, doing this festival, What we have two more days, what do you think you want to do? Yeah. And so we, we walked around the city and we, we were kind of like in the middle of downtown. So I, I don't know, it was like Monday or Tuesday, I walked around with like nine VHS tapes and I would just kind of, anytime I walked past something that was interesting looking or like, you know, had a good view and pop the tape there and take a little picture and leave that until somebody, I guess, unfortunately, somebody had to throw it away. But uh, yeah, no, it was kind of cool. It kind of felt like I was leaving a part of not only, you know, myself and my work, but also just the whole experience, the whole festival and just, just everything, you know, in LA, which mm -hmm. yeah, you, was a nice little send off. You came, you, you conquered and you left your mark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you keep a copy? 
I did. Yes. So okay. the copies I left, um, there was one tape that we, it was, it was on its last legs. Uh, it, it was some, some sort of travel tape and I'd used it a lot before it was, it wasn't looking good on any VCR. So, um, that one, and then there was a, uh, so, uh, there was a tape I made of just everybody's logos. Um, that was one thing is a lot of the artists would, would put in the Dropbox, you know, their, their logo or their title. So from my end, for most of the show, there was a couple that Moray, we downloaded a few, you know, assets and just looped them on like VLC, but like, um, uh, data girl, data girl, um, donor lens, um, uh, the, probably the biggest one was Discoholic. They emailed e- a couple of video loops. And so what I did was put them in VLC player on my crappy laptop and then plug that into my VCR with a little converter and then just looped it and then recorded a tape of like 15 minutes or 20 minutes of their logo. And then I did that for most of the artists. And then... I could that way I could have that on my second VCR and just fade that in overlaid with whatever other visuals I had. So the the tape that I had everybody's logos, I I, I found like a really nice scenic spot in LA and decided to leave that there. Do you, I was just thinking, do you, so you're bringing those tapes with you? Do you have to bring them all in your carry on or like I've I've heard <laughs> yeah because like the the shit can get wiped if it goes through the machines or whatever. Is that true? So far it hasn't. I took it to New York and when we went through the x-ray, it didn't have any issues. And then when I went through LA, so fingers crossed, I guess. Get a big old (laughs) magnet. That's, that's what will do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they do that with the checked bags more, right? Or no? Um, the technology has increased a lot better. Um, I know it comes down to photos being exposed at, at a certain ISO. I believe it's 800. I believe if you're exposing anything below, I think below or above, I can't quite remember, but they've, they've, the machines have gotten better over the past 20, 30 years mm-hmm, to where sure. they're, they're not really affected, um, mm. in those ways anymore. That's good to know. Because a lot of time, cause if you're buying, you know, you know, VHS or anything like that on, you know, through online sources, then probably it does get, so, it does get some type of scan through yeah. the mail. So yeah, we're yeah. true, true. Um, and uh, yeah, I like <laughs> traveling with VHS is like in your bag, <laughs> you know, is bound to be a little bit of damage. So smart to make, yeah. to make the backups and then to leave them. That's such a nice, nice story. Um, I wanted to go back to Tyler uh, just to get any of his highlights he had on the on his stage, and then maybe we'll open it up to anyone else that hasn't had a chance to. Sure. Um, so I mentioned uh, kind of doing the the you know fill in the blank style visuals for Dan Mason, but um, I all I had was the logo from performing at um. Electronicon, someone help me fill in the blank, not this year, but the year previous. Is that counted as three formally in the canon? <laughs> yep. Let's go with that. Well, you did Lux, um, right? Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. And then and then it was like, oh, no one's doing visuals for Dan Mason. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll do it. So then that was like a crash course, and then this is the follow-up to it. But um, it was a very careful, minimal, sparse sort of I did. And this is maybe an interesting kind of um, 
uh, different workflow, but I then take the logo, I throw it into Adobe's like color scanning thing where it just gives you a bunch of hex codes for palette. Then I take that and I feed it into Resolume. If it's incompatible, I throw that into Jet GPT first and I ask it to film right for Resolume and then it gives me all the numbers. I plug all that in so I then I have the color palette to play with and then I just yeah. figure out a bunch of liminal, smooth looks incorporating those four colors and the shapes, in this case, squares and triangles. And then I put the logo on top and then get it so it feels really good. And like I said, transitions about every 64 um, beats. And then I just, I, I tap it in and then I just babysit. And, that, and, and it felt good in practice. And like you were saying, like, oh, how do you guys practice? I have Spotify. I write that through audio. It's doing all the audio analysis stuff and tricks and Resolume and all my other digital tools. I just vibe it out in the room. It feels good. Then I think, cross my fingers. I show up live. I get to do the same thing. It's usually pretty consistent. And... It's just a great feeling of like creating art from the perspective of, okay, people are going to see this in a room and it's going to heighten the experience. Like my job's done already, right? Like I just, I, I'm just, I'm just doing a cakewalk literally. So uh, that's always fun when it works as expected. And that was definitely a very simple, minimal, it was an elevation of what I did last year. It felt very true by, you know, quote unquote, you know, vapor culture, El Guy spaces and that sort of vibe pairing with the music. So uh, that one felt good. And, and honestly, there wasn't that much interacting with the artist. It was just like an unspoken, hey, I'm listening to your stuff. I'm determining what that looks like, um, what the sounds look like. Mm-hmm. And then let me execute. And then we just all appreciate, right? We, it, it doesn't, sometimes it's very complicated and sometimes it's very spreadsheet style visuals. And I love that. And other times it's just like things just click. So like there's room for both in the world. And I think that's why you know, not not looking for overarching themes, but, you know, there's a respect between analog and, you know, digital workflows, just as there's, I have respect between, you know, super, super, you know, like, like, you know, by the, you know, nanosecond, by the frame, spec'd out visuals versus complete improv versus mm-hmm. like, I don't know, here's a vibe. Let me know what you guys think. You know, mm-hmm. like, these are all valid artistic expressions and they'll have their paired moments. And I think one of the cool things within this space is that there's room for all of that, right? There's like bombastic, like, you know, break beaty sort of, you know, like, like sort of stuff. And then there's like, you know, drum and bass beats and then there's super, you know, flowy, open-ended, you know, uh, um, you know, just, just mm-hmm. vibey, you know, sound beds too, but all of it has visual representation, but people are really giving thought to how does that look and not just like, Oh yeah, this is vapor. Here's geometric shapes done. Here's a Roman statue done. Right. It's all, we're pushing far beyond that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so, you know, pat on the back to all of us for, I, I really think this is when historians look back and they're doing all their digital, you know, like, like autopsies years later. And someone's like, Oh, here's, here's where they're stirring the pot and they're, they're digging up that culture that's 30 or 40 years and, you know, re repackaging it in the 2020s. And then, Oh, okay. That's, a, that's novel and interesting. Yep. I think, I think, you know, when they start looking for who is combining it visually in interesting ways, um, I definitely think Flamingo Fest is an opportunity for bringing in this many visualists because there's not a lot of vapor festivals, right? But, you know, I, or maybe because I don't have the invisibility, I wasn't there last year or this year. But um, as far as I know, Electronicon didn't kind of pull together known collaborators within the space, the people that are doing the DIY spaces, the people that are doing the events during the trend, you know, it's not, you know, big streams, but it's it's the things outside of that. It's the people working with the artists who are on that. Mm-hmm. putting them together in a quote-unquote room, right? And then seeing what they do. So, you know, thank you, you know, for Utopia District. Thank you, Flamingo Fest, you know, for 
putting that all together, you know, thank you, my Flamingo, for having that like, hey, I think we could do this and do this again and do this right and include visuals as that because, you know, the collaborations happened, right? The discussions of workflows happened, the, you know, hey, can we can we tuck all of our elbows in and all fit in a room happened, you know? So <laughs> great things happened from that investment and that, you know, and those resources allocated. So um, we're just a little garden and you gave us some water and we were thirsty. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. Thank you. It was so fun to have everybody out and create that opportunity and just like see what it f- flourished into. Y'all did such a great job and so easy and fun to work with and to be around as well. Um, you know, just uh, the, your energy and your your charisma, like I was saying, like uh, it's no it's no joke. Y'all are, are real ones and uh, you do great work. And uh, I was not worried and not uh, surprised when I saw how, uh, how great y'all were able to collaborate together. Um, Thanks. No. Oh, no well, can we give a that. shout to uh, Analog Mannequin for Please, the yes. set. That was that was dope. Yes. Uh, him and uh, him and Operator Bot, they they did Both the hotel them. pool set. Oh yeah, that's right. They're, that's they're right. the ones. That's yeah, wild. that has all hell. All hell just mentioned that you know of the things that happened. You know, what I'm saying he had to make way for them. They brought quite a. Oh, I was not yeah, prepared for that. Quite the gear with. Yeah, they, I, so, I did not. Know so that. I know those guys locally. Um, I've done some stuff with Operator Bot, and I've met Analog Mannequin a handful of times. Nice. Um, and so they told me they were pulling up and I was like, oh, all right, for sure. I had no idea until like the day of that they were doing that. And then, you know, they got there kind of like halfway through the fest and I'm like, ooh, um, you know, there's already like all the door people and like you got to bring in gear while there's already people, you know, at the show. And so I uh, I rendezvous- rendezvoused with them in the parking lot and uh, saw all the gear they're bringing. I was like, oh, snap, I better help these guys get up here. Um, Jesus, and so I had, I, yeah, I, when I ran into them, they had, <laughs> everything was up there already. I'm like, yo, you made it. And I didn't know there was all this work. Jesus. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So I like figured out kind of the back way to get them into that room and like, um, you know, kind of Word. pre-cleared it, the, uh, little security guard guys. And, um, you know, that's just the thing with, with analog gear. It's, it just looks so bulky when you're bringing it in and like, for people that don't aren't in the know about what's about to happen with it they're just like oh that's a lot of gear i don't know about that yeah. um, and so uh so i i went up in the room beforehand and i was trying to think of like just literally how they could even be in here in the space and like uh i was just like you know talking to the venue people and i was like look people are going to bring some stuff in here it's going to be right here is that cool like do we still have the walkways is, is it going to be a fire hazard like are we going to be able to do this and and tuck our elbows like uh like all hell break soup was saying a second ago um and then but it was funny because like once i got them up there i was like all right you're up here i'm getting out of here you can set your own stuff up yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for helping coordinate the logistics of that yeah i remember you saying uh there, there there's not much room up there and i was like okay let me go up there and see it was hot up there too and having all that extra gear. <laughs> they had as much yeah. gear as the three of you combined I yeah, like Close to that, more. Sure. maybe more. Like yeah. They had that hot plate of lava lamp thing spinning. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. that was sick. Yeah, it could, everything yeah, turned no, out I, great. And, and and thanks to amazing teamwork and determination. Thank you, yeah. gentlemen. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to shout out Analog Mannequin as well. And, you know, it just kind of extends to another reason why I really loved working the festival was because like, okay, like in this podcast here, thanks to, I guess, <laughs> 
you know, the al- algorithm, right? Like during the pandemic and lockdown, like Videodrome was one of the visual artists that kind of came into my feed when I first started making visual art. But Analog Mannequin was also one of them. So it's like, okay, so now I, I got to meet Videodrome during uh, Econ, uh, the last Econ and Slush Wave and Slush, or Slush Fest. And now I get to work with him in person. And then I get to meet, you know, so like awesome artists like Maury Bender and, you know, All Hell Breaks Loops. Well, then Analog Mannequin for me was also one that when I first started making art, I I don't remember exactly how the algorithm, I don't know, like I saw their page, started following them. Well, so during my set or our set, you know, on Saturday, I just see this person walk up while I'm, I think, I, maybe I was working Data Girls. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but Anyway, this person walks up. He's like, "Oh, hey, is this jumper?" And I was like, oh, "I was like, yeah, hi, nice to meet you." He's like, "Oh, hi, I'm, I'm Analog Mannequin, and like, I'm really big fan of your work." And I'm just thinking in my head, like, <laughs> fangirling. Yeah, <laughs> you're a fan of me? Like, what? Like, you know, I've been a fan of you for years. And so then, like, Maury was talking about, like, you know, he helped get all the gear up. He's like, "I'm gonna be right back and help them up," and which is super awesome too. Like, I love. I love working with people that are so collaborative and so kind, you know, because in a lot of genres, people want to own the stage. They want to, they want to be the name on the screen. Right. And I felt, I didn't get that feeling from anybody at that weekend. Like everybody was all about what's the best experience for the fans. You know, what, what's going to make the show and the festival the best way, like whatever we can do. And, and so, you know, yeah, it was such an awesome experience, but then analog mannequin operator. But, and so it's like, I got to meet analog, but then his, his friend and, and partner, you know, operator bot, like I got to meet him and see all of his gear. And, you know, we both felt like little kids showing our favorite, you know, Batman or power ranger toys. Cause he's like, Hey, have you seen this? And I was like, no, what is that? And he's showing me his like video synth and like, it's got a little screen on it and what he can do. And, and then all hell breaks loose. You know, he's like, hey, you see that little pedal on the floor? Put your foot on that. And so during Pizza Hotline's set, I'm like strobing in time to his music. He's like, yeah, just press that. Strobes the lights. And it's like, nobody on the floor knows what's happening. They just think, like, you can hear the crowd go, and it's, but it's, it's all like happening live, you know? And, yeah. and that, I, that to me, that really sums up a lot of my experience with Flamingo Fest was just how, just on the artistic and the visual side, like everybody was so in sync and so willing to work together, you know? So yeah, we're out there sweating for each other. That's for sure. It was amazing. Like a greater together than the sum of the parts or something like that. Yeah. You know, by doing the part, it's not like you're just adding the things together. You put the things together and it becomes something even higher than just the sum of the parts you know like you you create some elevated vision that just sends even beyond what you expected on paper you know mm-hmm. yeah and you couldn't do it by yourself you need everybody exactly. to to play yeah to do stuff to do their bit you know take it to that level yeah yeah exactly um i do have another going back to tyler again one other question uh i meant to ask earlier how much unreal visuals did you like you know make for this because i remember when we did flamingo fest 2020 um well you you did the uh, yeah if anyone bought the blu-ray uh or saw the live stream you remember like the opening bar right it was on the beach uh with the bartender and stuff like 
show the artist name. All Hell Breaks Loops made that, and then uh, we also used that as an asset on the Blu-ray. Um, and it was like it really brought out the universe of Flamingo Fest. It was like so so important to have. Um, and so I was just curious, you know, how many flamingos did you animate <laughs> this time? So this time around zero, actually. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't say that as a slight. I just say that as in like like at the time for the kind of scope and engagement of that. I'm just looking at my phone. I'm just looking at the TV type visuals. Those interstitials, super key, super necessary because you don't you don't walk around a room and see all the merch before you experience the set or something like that. Right. For this, I had zero. Um, I, I since we're, we're confessing off our sins, it's a podcast. It's a safe space. I didn't even have the event logo, right? I was walking to the other room. I was like, "Oh wow, that's cool." They're doing some cool things, running the logo through all you know the analog stuff. And I was like, "I don't even have it, right?" But no one walked away from that experience being like, "Oh, the production noise is so mid. They didn't even have the logo in between, right?" Nobody said that. The vibe was kept up the entire day, right? <laughs> but those little tools, those sort of coordination steps, absolutely key because they allow everyone to do their best, right? Like if I just drop by with a flash drive, or I guess I don't know, maybe like a hologram card or something like that by the analog folks and like, Hey, here's the event logo, put this up. They could do amazing things by that. Right. So I think part of that, even just hearing the methods that we're sharing on this podcast, I'm like, Oh man, I, I hope this happens next year. I hope we've got the coordination so that jumper puts together an amazing, like VHS pastiche of all these cool things, <laughs> copies it, mails it out to all of us. Yeah. And then we like fuzz that out and then bring that back. So it's this tapestry of woven visuals and crazy, like we'll get there. But like part of that is I've had a lot more acceptance of like, Oh, this thing was forgotten. This wasn't used. We're just trying to get and evolve our own processes. So like, Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, I'd love to have that next year. You know, in the same reverse way, mm-hmm. then we've got time and bandwidth for it to chase it down. Hey, what if we did those sort of interstitials, but then I put that on VHS and then I send that out and then they fuzz that, you know? So it's like, we can have this really interesting pot because there's at the core i think respect for these very different artistic processes that are all we're all right clicking in a way right whether you're putting that on vhs whether you're actually doing it whether you're writing a script to rip it on youtube but then we're recontextualizing all this art in a way that has meaning with us whether that's tapping into our childhood sega genesis or you know whatever that is the the crayon that you loved in the box that you always used to chew on in elementary school you know pull into that and then take that paint and throw it back up at the wall in a way to, to augment and add something to the arts experience, to the you know fan experience, to everyone's experience of this is these are the amazing things that we could do now that art has been commodified to this degree. Um, so, anyways, I think that's cool. But yeah, no one real this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And then thanks for taking the time to to dive into that and, and mention that. I didn't know you didn't have the logo. My bad. I thought J- Jumper. Did you get that or how did? So let no, me just say, not me. I <laughs> I did that. And uh, nice. I, I wasn't sent the logo either. I just happened to look <laughs> at the fire and I was like, I'm going to take this and put it into MS Paint <laughs> and, <laughs> and make a logo uh, banner image, right? <laughs> and and so I had that on my computer. But not only that, I this was probably my biggest stroke of genius throughout the weekend. Um, yep. I, I thought I was going to need to borrow my homie's laptop with Resolume to do um logos and clips at the same time and i was like stressing about it because i did all this prep work and i was like man now i gotta throw it onto my homie's computer in resolume and like be ready to use it all which like if i had done this you know weeks or months in advance it'd be ready to go and it's just because like resolume is not my first language 
But so I was like thinking about that and I was like, well, if wrestling is not my first language, let me do it with, with what is my first language, which is analog. And basically I just got a, um, iPhone to HDMI dongle and converted <laughs> HDMI to VGA and then VGA into my, um, setup and i actually just had the logos on my phone right i remember that. that's and had my phone amazing. running in analog setup um it so, worked perfectly too like it was awesome because he could center it you know and we would i'd be like okay hey can you throw the logo up and then i'll fade it and he's like yeah and like he'd pull it up on his phone and plug it in and so it, it awesome. worked great well, i hope you weren't I can you didn't get any calls during the day <laughs> I probably should have asked for the logo, but I was like, it's three in the morning and I have my computer right here. Let's just get down in MS Paint. Yeah, let me get down and do <laughs> yeah, it. I love that gorilla style. Yeah. <laughs> and, if I could, I wanted to bounce something off of what Tyler said yeah, and just please. kind of for everybody, I think in general. Yeah. You know, I feel like when it comes to like what we all collectively do, it doesn't matter what you're using to make it that's the beauty i feel of like what matters yeah what matters is how much love you put into it like every person that's being interviewed in this podcast and then you know any visual artist that's listening like you you should be in this podcast right like as long as you love what you're doing and you you find your niche you find an avenue to incorporate it doesn't matter, you know, just because I might use VHS or because you might use a software or you use whatever, like as long as you are putting your heart into it, I feel like that that's what makes it. And that's what makes a better experience for the audience. Because my goal, I, like when I do my stuff, I'm not trying to appeal to Vaporwave fans, you know, at all. I'm trying to make a person that comes off the street that walks in and buys a ticket and is just, you know, Hey, wow, this is really cool. This is just an experience. Like that's the person I feel like needs to be reached, you know, like not people that are already in the community. So anyway, like Tyler said, you know, I appreciate the, you know, the kind words, but I, I feel like everybody puts an equal amount of love into it. And that's, what's important. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a good point as well about the, like, you got to spread the gospel, right? Like it's, People don't love Vaporwave because it's Vaporwave. They love it because of all the things that makes up Vaporwave, right? Right. It's like that is the, the, uh, like, we all come from the same place. Like, we all grew up, like, if you grew up with analog video, like, you understand it. And even if you don't know what Vaporwave is, like, you'll probably get it. Or, you know, you, some people more than others or might fascinate some people more than others, but it's like, it's a language that anyone can understand sort of, right? It's like, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I want to know more about the production that y'all put into each artist's uh, visuals. You know, you want to bring out the universe of their work and whatnot. And so, um, like, like, uh, all hell breaks loops, for example. Um, like what? What did you make for like a pizza hotline? Did was he one of the people you made stuff for? I think so, right? You know, that was an interesting and fun combination. Um, I was given the background, which looked like. I mean, it's funny when I get things, then now my mind starts like reverse engineering them, and I was like, this looks like it was put together for another streaming event, but like it was well done and sort of like 
generic enough with its different use of like you know PSX sort of assets that like it could just be a sort of a generic background loop. Um, so to add to that, I also received a separate asset that was the logo. And so then I'm actually running that through sort of a VHS filter to kind of make it look like that same sort of, you know, PSX on an old CRT sort of mm-hmm. energy. Uh, but then it's actually doing a really, and again, everything's beat sync. So about 64 beats, it's actually doing a very slow zoom, zoom in, zoom out. So you can only actually read that it is a pizza hotline logo when it's like really close to the, you know, the screen, essentially the camera. Um, and then it fades away so that you only see it as a sort of moving object in the background and it's actually pulsing with the beat. So it's, it's, I think I actually went a little bit too far in distressing in that, in that format, in that room, I should have gone a little bit larger with the logo because my intention was for you to not really know it was a logo until this moment where it gets really close to like, Oh, that's a pizza, a pizza, you know, like, mm. like, um, that then it clicks, right? That, oh, that's pizza hotline. And then it goes away again, again, because it's almost, um, you know, we're talking about the different approaches and different considerations for audiences. Um, the reason I like this community is that I can let my freak flag fly here, right? This is this is my weirdos for weirdos sake space. Whereas what most of what I do visually is at EDM, is at festivals, is that, that sort of experience where it's all about logos and branding and interface. This is the DJ name up at all times. And sometimes even you have the event name just as large as the artist name, right? It's it's an interesting mm. uh, show of, of priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, in vaporwave, in the weirder space, and you know whatever you know subgenre you want to slice, um, the logo isn't as much of a focal point. And I think that was one learning that I had from doing all the pandemic streams is that it gets a little samey to put it out there at all times. You can always tell who the artist is, of course, but if you're in a live experience, it doesn't always need to be stated in all caps and bold. Sometimes it can be a subtle thing. Sometimes it can be an element of the background that you're not aware and that transforms into the logo. So um, that one was a very subtle sort of treatment, but one that if you're really paying attention to things, you know, as you're dancing on the, on the floor, you know, as you kind of get into the beats and you look up, you're like, oh, it clicks. And then, you know, for those nerds, like I'm, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all nerds at the end of the day here, right? Um, yeah, I'm just uh, yeah, it, that's that's awesome. Like having to figure out what to do when you have all those like variables to work to deal with, right? To work with. Um, what about some of y- y'all? Uh, who, uh, who else y'all did video for? Like Strip Silence, uh, ED, Panic Pop. Um, yeah, those, those ones were me. Um, so for each of those, I wanted to make sure I had a logo to use. And like Tyler said, like, I wasn't necessarily feeling that the logo should be up all the time. I can kind of put it in, bring it back. And when I put it up, I can do other visuals behind it and then take it out and then keep just doing visuals and and vibing with the set. Um, but for certain ones, I tried to at least get a hold of some kind of content to be able to remix. So for uh, for ED, I got a couple of his uh, stream type clips. Like one was this like spinning cube, and the other one was like uh, I forget what. But like um, so with that, it was like same thing. I had a logo to use and content to use, but I was also vibing with stuff that I've made. Um, and that stuff is anywhere from analog stuff to things with patterns and shapes or that I've processed, you know, however many times over and then still are processing yet again live. Um, for strip silence specifically, I was sent a folder with a lot of like really random animation type things 
not super random, but they were like geometric shape things and some kind of like flowy stuff. And I was like, word, yeah, I can totally remix this live. And then I'm using it. And then Malbert comes over and he's like, hey, I made that. <laughs> and I was like, really? This is tight. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's very cool. I didn't even really think about the fact that like somebody had to make this. I was just like, bet, cool file. I'm going to use this. <laughs> yeah. Can we shout um, him out real quick for, for streaming it? Yeah, for sure. On a stream deck. Steam deck, man. A Steam deck. Yeah. 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 So he was super that that stream was was really fun to watch later and kind of like revive again. Um and then another really sweet one that I was uh sent and didn't really know much about because it wasn't a set that I actually even realized I was going to do, so I just kind of like prepped for it within the probably 10 minutes right before the set and it was the global chill set and uh i was sent the um it's it was like a video compilation of just like a lot of like really like icy visuals like cold water mm. ice cube icy shout, shout out uh solo Sh- solo, dolo. solo dolo made this super yeah, yeah. nice curated thing and um i was like man i don't even really want to like mess with it i'm just gonna like glitch it out the tiniest tiniest bit just to give it like a textural thing on top and then i'm just gonna put the camera of um him just like like faded with it that was so, so it's sick. sort of like synthesized and i just kind of let it run and sat back and watched it for a while and i was like oh this is so nice like i kind of forgot that i was the one that was supposed to be doing visuals because it was just like yeah so hard <laughs> and I was, the set was so vibey yeah that like bar beats type stuff i was i just had to take a step back for a second and be like appreciate what i had even been sent um and and solo dolo is the coolest dude i've been talking with him since and uh i get like his mentality of of making that now and it was just like such a pleasure to use live like because that's not always what i do you know it's it's a treat to be sent something to used for a specific occasion it's a fun challenge um that isn't always the case mm-hmm. yeah shouts out solo number one homie uh, it was yeah. great uh i'm so glad they had the opportunity to uh do something for uh to participate uh in a, an official way and yeah, uh the wave squad yeah wave squad yeah exactly um yeah i had a i had a few sets um uh i had synchro start of course i mentioned earlier so it was awesome working with him again in person um yeah for his set i wanted to you know what i'm saying go um you know because he's kind of future funkish so i kind of wanted to go a little bit more on the anime style so i went you know a little dig dug a little deeper than your average anime and and went really hard on on 90s and late 80s uh nice. but also threw in some capcom versus snk too because yeah. um i remember he's a big fan and he, and he wanted some of that and i was like oh yeah i'll definitely throw some of that in yeah sick. so so that was so that was kind of interesting having some capcom versus snk2 footage you know and then you got jumper you know what i'm saying with an actual sega you know what i'm saying with the with the mortal Kombat side uh so that was that was interesting i like that um and then Melanade, yeah. So like, uh, I was given an asset for um, for them, and uh, I kind of went with my head with that, and kind of just started searching out and finding as many kind of melon assets, things like that, that I could, and and kind of put them together. And I knew in my head 
that during this set, if I'm going to go that style, it, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, how digital artists approach it and things like that. So I left the background clean and black so that all the fruit and everything like that would have a nice spacing in between the, the black space. And you just use that space to your advantage. And that's how we were able to key out and put over top of the Mortal Kombat character and things like that. So as, as long as you leave that space empty, you know, you're able to key out all that that area and use it to your advantage. So that was that was wild. Um, and then the iClick one, like I mentioned, too, which which was great, you know, just because like the footage was provided already. Uh, I know they've used that in the past, um, but it was it was great being able to to mess with it this time and to do the negative strobe yeah. uh to to his uh to his beat you know and that that was that 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 was just incredible in that low light environment yeah. and, and and another and another thing for me i took uh, you know uh, is that i was able to of course for new york drive all my equipment up so i had no problem having all my equipment with me but this one i had to of course fly so i was limited to what i could bring with me so I had, you know, my T plus with me and melted dreams and some raspberry pies, you know, just a few things that I was able to travel with. So that's why I wanted to kind of take a step back and, you know, I kind of, you know, took over, you know, a stage in New York and, and two nights there. So I was like, I want to take a step back and I want to see other artists perform visually. And so mm -hmm. I was able to capture a lot of more pictures and actually, you know, soak in the soak in the whole event mm -hmm. because i know what it's like to you know do a whole stage by yourself and you know it, it is it is a lot it's a lot of work yeah yeah you did the slushy summer slushy fest which was 12 hours right yeah 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 so Straight. that whole stage that's right yeah that's wild uh, yeah and that's part of why i wanted to build out the big team here like y'all are the dream team let me like i'm so excited for next time we do this like it's going to be bigger and better gonna be incredible it's gonna be so good kind of kind of building on on like what they were saying how the artists would you know say like this is you know this is my vibe or this is what i'm looking for so like um king quartz was uh, a big one for me to work on because and then shout out to him uh when i first got into vaporwave which would have been like 2019 not that not that long ago for some but he he was one of the first artists that i started listening to i think i just like spotify searched vaporwave and and one of his early tracks came on nice so getting to work on his set yeah it was it was really like full circle moment um but so i reached out to, to king quartz and he said that he was really into like kind of darker cgi like and, and a couple of other artists were kind of in that same vein you know a lot of vaporwave is like you know early late 80s early 90s cgi and so like for his tape I I, had, I took probably five or six different tapes I knew that had CGI clips in them. And then I would fast forward to the particular spots and then get my master tape ready, press record, and then like pop in tapes and then just make a mixtape of all the CGI elements. So a lot of it was like... I, I was going to say, it's such a labor of love, like taking all your VCRs and fast forwarding rewinding like that shit is slow <laughs> they used to make <laughs> machines that would do it for you like you'd pop it out of the vcr just the fast rewinders you know um yeah and then like... to like mentally compartmentalize like for each set you know king quartz for example uh you're like okay what is what footage do i have and just like so much thought goes into like what 
each individual person to like, okay, how am I going to bring all that stuff out? And it's not just like, you know, you show up and you just let it fly. It's like, no, like months ahead of time, you were spending so much time, all of you, um, like putting the material together and thinking about like what, what to do. And, and I just, you know, have to say thanks once again, like it's, it's, it's so special and it's so nice. And I think it, that's why we're doing this episode, I think is people should be aware of, uh, you know, the thoughtfulness behind the video element. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. No, we're, yeah, we we're, appreciate we're you. happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, no, it was it was an honor. Just um, just work King Quartz, did a bunch of his CGI videos, and then seeing it behind projected behind him was just you know he, he loved it and and got some really cool pictures. Data Girl, she was like super super sweet. Um, I Data Girl, Data Girl. I don't remember how Data. she likes to pronounce it. Data. So I'll say both. Data. Yeah. Okay, Data Girl. I mess it um, up every time. Like, <laughs> yeah, she was like, uh, you know, I really like Y2K, you know, girly pop, you know, fashion and makeup and, and then flowers. And so I took like nature tapes and travel tapes that had like garden scenes. And then I've got a couple of like makeup and like reticin hair dye. It, it's so funny because they're basically like I'm watching these tapes and it's like how they subconsciously sell products yeah. to consumers. You know, it's like, it's all like a big spiel, but it's like, it's nothing but cuts of like hairstyles and stuff. I love that um, stuff. Then, like I can just get lost in like, how do you, oh, yeah. how do they like execute it? Like, you know, you can't, there's no perfect way to like take someone and force an idea and then to go buy something. But it's, it's. Yeah, no, it's all subliminal messaging, which is very vaporwave, right? Yeah. It's very subliminal. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then the the last one for me, uh, or I mean, there's many donor donor lens that, that was really awesome to work with. They they were a big fan of FIFA '95 soccer, oh, yeah. so I went and found the 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 Sega Genesis, or as if they listen to this, the Mega Drive. I'll say that for their <laughs> sake. Uh, <laughs> the FIFA and and anyway, Tom from Donor Lens was like, this was the same game that I played as a kid. Like I found that cartridge and and played that yeah. and so like that was kind of like in between their their songs you know there was like the logo menu and then the soccer match and um and then being i did a lot of like sega like nba jam i, I hope somebody recorded it because i made a, a goal like a, a half point shot like during one of their songs <laughs> and it matched with the music really well and the crowd was really that's fucking really amazing. happy <laughs> yeah it was just cool like and then playing like sonic 2 like you know they have some drum and bass stuff and yeah. it's real fast pace and then getting to play all like that's my childhood sega and it's like i'm getting you know i got i'm getting to do this in front of people you know like this is great that Sega's um, seen more of the world and more uh, concerts than any other Sega. I know. Yeah. It's like, oh my goodness. I've had this since I was like four years old yeah. and now, you know, I'm so glad I, it's, it's got to travel. Um, and then for me, the last, one of the last ones was uh, Runners Club 95, which I'm a huge fan of and they've been super kind and, and sweet to get to know. And I, I had the you know, privilege of meeting them briefly at like Econ 3 and then getting to work with them here. But um, Carl, uh, he'd sent me a 27 minute like backing track for their set. And he's like, this is kind of the basics of each of our songs. This is how it's gonna be. I'm gonna press play and go. And so I I spent probably more time. I, I don't know. I probably, I spent a couple hours on everybody's tapes and then probably, probably six, six or seven on theirs. But what I would do, so I'd press play on my headphones and I would, I got all my tapes ready and then I would each track 
that they had, I would make like a mixtape for. So I would play it for like five minutes and then stop and then rewind it and press play again on the master track and then play and then record. So like each, each song had their own stuff. And I knew that like, he was into like Batman forever and like RoboCop and, um, you know, Godzilla a little bit. And so like, I got to mix some of my childhood tapes that I grew up watching into their set. And, uh, so like, so by the end of it, I had a 27 minute, you know, and then after it was done, a couple of their ending songs had lyrics where I knew the crowd would sing along to, cause they did when I saw them play at econ. And so I used my title maker, like after I finished their tape, I was like, you know, I want to add to this. So I made a second tape and I put the, I ran it through the title maker and I typed the lyrics. So like, like their song, you which blood wave came on stage and sang. And then a whole crowd was singing along with it. Oh my like a God. Karaoke. I did not know that. Oh, that's amazing. I still haven't so watched like, the yeah, like I had, VOD yet. Oh my God. That's awesome. I had the tape ready and I was like, I want those words on the screen. So I typed, so like on the title maker I have, you can make a bank of like different, you know, sentences. And then if you press the arrow key, it just cycles through them. So I pressed record and then I'd press the arrow key and enter. And then the first lyric would come up and I synced it. So then whenever they played the show, I pressed play and I timed it. So the lyric, and it ended up working really well. The lyrics matched like pretty well with, with the song. And so like, you know, you got that lyrics on stage and the crowd was singing along. And for me, that was just a, just a really amazing moment of getting to see like everybody, you know, together experiencing it. Yeah. You made that karaoke. I didn't Frank do that too with all star. Yes. Oh God. That was so yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that one was funny. Um, I'll I'll let you in on on what happened during that set because the the karaoke bit did go as planned. It was at the end of the set, but he he gave me this video file. He's like, "Yo, so this syncs with the set, so you can use it and and just do live stuff on top of it. And if the video is running, it should all sync up." And I was like, "Okay, bet." And so we were just gonna do like a, a kind of one, two, three, go. And um, so I was like, "I'm watching him as he's setting up." And then I hear music, but it still sort of sounds like house music. And so I'm like, what is going on? Because I felt like it would be a song that he played in the set. And then eventually, like halfway through that song, the volume just increased. And then it was like, this is the set. And I was like, oh, uh, that's odd. And so then he gives me like three, three or four songs in. He gives me like a visual cue and then does like a one, two, three, go. And I'm like, what? Wait, like we, we, we started this set like three or four songs ago. Yeah, what? And so like, basically what I ended up doing was just jumping around in the, in the video that he gave me. And I would use certain segments for certain tracks, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure that they were like the track that they lined up with. Right. And, so like I think he was looking for certain things to happen and it wasn't at that time. Um oh, and it wasn't man. so song specific until the end right. when I knew that there was going to be a sing along coming up and I was like, All right, I'm ready on with my finger on the trigger for when this thing starts <laughs> so I can sing up with y'all. <laughs> and That's so, so that was a very like in the moment kind of recovery. Um, yeah. And it worked out like nicely in the end, like the lyrics did go at the right time, but I was like a little, little on edge, That's like just for that moment to make stress, sure yeah. if, 
if anything is correct, it's got to be that part because you can't just not have the Smash Mouth like lyrics proper. Like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. And you're like, well, I mean, yeah, I'm doing like, this thing, and now I have to, to juggle sort of this yeah. new new thing and cue it up and and sync it in time and. If, right. Did you know where it, it was in the video? Yeah, it was right at the end. Right. And so while I, that's the beauty of analog is that you can fade to one thing while you handle something else in the corner. Mm. And then when you're ready to back to it, jump back to it. Mm. So as long as I like made that switch line up properly, I was able to get what is kind of the most important time-based thing of the visuals correct and synced yeah yeah um, but his set is so vibey and so party that like it was it was just so hyped throughout and it was this sort of like visually synthesized thing and it was just like all energy and then he was playing the sax so i was like i gotta get the camera on him doing that and just like amplify that um and then just be ready on the dime for when that switch happens. That that idea to bring out the camera, the DV cam, I think it was, yeah. to, to film yeah. certain things and inject it into the program is so smart. Like when you said at the beginning, like filming everybody dancing and then putting their shadows mm -hmm. on the screen. So like, I wonder yep. if people, if anyone noticed, like, hey, if I move, it happens on the screen, you know? Every once in a while, somebody does notice. Yeah. And especially if I think they might notice, what I do is I, I slap some feedback behind it so that when they move their hand, the feedback like echoes and moves. And then when they realize that not only are they on screen, but that they're kind of controlling the visuals, yeah. they just trip out. And then they're like, okay, where is <laughs> How is this happening? That's what? so sick. Oh, man. It worked, out, it worked out really good too because even like people that don't notice like – you know, so Donor Lens sang live and, and, and Data Girl sang live. So like yeah. some of the songs, you know, like we could, like when they were, you know, getting up in front of the stage, so we, we slapped the camera out there and it's like, people don't realize that it's like, it focuses your attention to the singer. Definitely. And, you know, it's kind of subconscious, you know, in the background, but like, it, it's a really cool effect to use. And it was great to be able to, to use it on the fly. So, uh, yeah. Like, well, cause everyone's probably like, oh, this is all planned. You know, that's so yeah, no, it's <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, that's so so sick. Yeah, Data Girl and Disco Holic were were some really good back to back uh yeah. collab moments with me and Jumper there. Mm -hmm. I was on camera doing some sick VHS stuff and so like really I was just trying to get just them and like just put them right on top of it. Which like, you know, in real life they're literally already standing in front of the visuals, but like just to remind everybody that we're all live here in the room you you are in the room right now with disco holic right in front of you doing his yeah. thing he is real <laughs> yeah no like and it was really cool because like before his set like so i had these little patch cables that i had ordered and Mori was like hey dude that's like the perfect size to use for internal feedback and i was like what's that you know like i know what it is but i've never done it on my system and so he was showing me how to do it with my mixer. So like he plugged like an input into an output and then like you trigger it. And so anyway, for just like Discoholic, he's got the, you know, the camera in front of him. And then I started triggering transitions with the feedback, like in time with the music. And it, it, it just paired so well. And there's a couple, there's a song where like every time like the four and the four hit, yeah. um, 
like, you know, I'm triggering like this internal feedback and then it would cut to the camera and then internal feedback and cut to his face and it worked out really well. So it was a cool yeah, experience. Dude, that was, that was so tight. That is amazing. I can't wait to rewatch that on this, on the live stream. I got some pretty qu- sweet clips of that to post up too. Nice. Oh yeah. Thank you. By the way, I got your link. Appreciate that. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Check that stuff out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What about some other artists like uh, Vape Error or Fiber or Bloodwave? They all had uh, really interesting stuff as I was flying by working on shit. I was able yeah. to catch glimpses. So I'll do Vape Error really quick. That one was mine. For that one, I only got the logo, nothing else. Um, I got like one little logo animation, but it didn't quite work so well mm-hmm. because of being like a one second loop. Um, so it looked too often like it would uh glitch when it loops yeah. so i mostly just used the logo and for that one i was like okay i have a feeling this is going to be like a hype set really high energy and probably some slappers in here so let me uh like think of what tapes i wanted to do and so for that one i mentally prepped with um a hot wheels tape uh monster trucks <laughs> And uh, also one of those tapes of just, you know, the 90s CGI animation, like Mind's Eye stuff. Um, And really, especially like that Monster Trucks tape, I was kind of like waiting for that moment, like all day a little bit. Like, and I I was talking to my buddy, Jose, who's like my assistant that uh, he pulls up for my shows and, and helps out. He gets a lot of my clips, which is super helpful because I can never take clips while I'm doing visuals. I just don't think about it. And I kept asking him, like, can I do it now? Can I do it now? And he was like, nah, dude, not yet, not yet. <laughs> and I was like, all right, man. But when it's when it's happening, it's happening. And and I heard this sort of, like, buildup. And I was like, monster truck tape time. And I just, like, <laughs> I sent it and slapped it down. And it was just, like, pretty heavy beat. But it was just, like, trucks crushing cars. Yeah. And I was like, yes, yes. And then <laughs> right then, too, the mosh pit erupts. And like, then they start carrying him and crowd surfing and like low key, even for a second, we were like, yo, are they about to like bump the table over? Like, and so I had to have Jose go up front and like play defense for a second. Um, Thank and, you, like, Jose. And this crowd. Yeah. Shout out Jose. Yeah. It was um, just like a collapsible foldable table. So like, yeah, it could have yeah. been bad. Yeah, it could have. Yeah. With all our gear and stuff. Same thing. And like I yeah, it wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, same thing happened to uh, Videodrome, I think, too, right at Slushy Fest. People getting a little close to that table. Oh, I uh, should have warned uh, Moray about the vapor, <laughs> the vapor, uh, <laughs> a mosh pit. There's always a, there's always a vapor. Always happens. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I could have told that, you that. Yeah, those are classic. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, yeah, if I, I was going to mention something on Bloodwave's yeah. set. Please. So, man, he, he first of all, super, super nice guy. Love love him. The um, most kindest super nice. soul on the planet. Oh, really? Yeah. And and so I reached out to them and asked, you know, kind of, hey, what, you know, what kind of visuals are you looking for? And they had a, a logo where they just said their name, really. And so I think Videodrome and I worked on a logo and then kind of worked on that a little bit. But then he was just like, whatever, whatever you want. And so their music is kind of like more, not necessarily ambient, but a little more like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Like it's, it's very, 
it builds up, you know, it's kind of like it builds up real dramatic and then it kind of turns into something like a little more, I don't know. I really don't know the best words to describe yeah, it. It's great. It's like a uh, electronic. It's kind of like vapor funk, but like electronic-y, some synth. Yeah, yeah electronic-y. Yeah, very synthy. And so um, for some of it, like uh, I felt very like space related, like it felt very kind of out of this world. And so like I played um, for a little bit, I played like Sinistar, which was this childhood Sega Genesis game I had. I think it was an arcade unit, but like a little spaceship and this big spaceship eats you. And, um, but anyway, so, but also for uh, their set, my buddy, shout out to his name's Jack, but he, he's an uh, he works with NASA doing recordings for their shuttles and their, their rockets. And so his, his Instagram's Neon Heat Disease, and he's a buddy of mine. And he sent me some recordings of actual like shuttle launches that he made. And so I put those on the tape. And for one of his kind of more dramatic songs, it sounds a little more spacey, synthy, like there was actual. Sp- nasa space shuttle launch footage wow like on screen great. like unreleased and just just for him that's wild yeah just for him it, it, it looked really cool and so i did that and then whenever Mori showed me how to do the internal feedback there was a couple of times during his tracks when he'd like do a build-up and then i can i was kind of waiting for like okay like this sounds like it's going to be you know the big moment and then i like i'd press enter and pause and it would create this like infinite wormhole feedback kind of like in the center of the screen and it matched really well with the music you know his was it, blood waves for me was 100 percent live bending analog you know glitch and stuff even though i was using tapes i was like affecting it live so that was a, a real a fun one to work on mm-hmm. and that's not like as frequent that you get to do that for a full set right no yeah yeah no it was it was very special mm-hmm and I, one thing I love too about like Discaholics and Bloodwave's set, um, every, everybody's set too, but just the way the projector, especially on the jewel stage, like went beyond the screen. So it went to the sides like mm-hmm. wider than it looked like it was like, it was so crisp too. Those projectors are like 4K, like super high end. Um, it just, it made it like the whole room was like the stage sort of like it, I don't know. It was that was a really cool thing, and there are certain effects that really brought it out well, like the VHS like um, scan lines, like you could see them on the walls. I was like, "Whoa, that's that's so yeah. sick!" Shout out, Dirty Heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. There's Dirty Heads. You could see. Yeah, you're right on the corner <laughs> of the of the screen. It did take up the projector was a little bit, you know, larger than the screen. Mm-hmm. So it was, they were sticking out like on the sides there. And, mm-hmm. and, but I mean, that's, I mean, that I love, that's what I love. You know what I'm saying? Is that warmth that, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, yeah. there's, there's marks that you're only going to get that time. You know, those, yeah. You know, that, that's just something that just happens right then. Yeah. Yeah. Shouts out to all y'all for lugging all that gear, f- flying over VCRs across the country. <laughs> that's amazing. Thanks. I'm happy to do it. Um, Tyler, were there any any other sets that what what, what have we had covered for yours in a little bit? Here we got. Well, you... I did want to mention that um, Fiber set was carried by the LD for uh, Noise uh, DJ Jetto, who actually, when I was like kind of introducing myself and just you know we had a, we had a little bit of downtime as we were all set up, ready to go, you know, got a breather, got some Red Bull. 
the dude goes back to Goa. So the dude is connected to raves in Goa way back in the day. And, wow. you know, with all of his travels and, you know, doing production stuff, lands in LA, you know, ends up having a regular gate catch one. So I thought that was like very fitting and very uniquely cool that someone with connections to that sort of rave experience is a part of our room too. You know, like a very, like not even that there's a historian running around trying to, you know, draw the lines out, but I think there's just an appreciation of like the rich, rich weaving of like music cultures that, you know, kind of permeate the space. Um, so I did want to mention that because um, I, I, I was provided and I shared with, you know, the LD in the room, um, um, this long set of cues from, you know, fiber set starting from the first song to the second song, there were kind of improvisational um, visuals up until like about halfway through. And at that point, then there was a video that was played. I, um, what was going on? Like I had tested it out right before I thought it was, I had the workflow down. It's a little bit of like, like, you know, like, um, what's the classic video game hack, like up, down, start, select, whatever. So there's a bit of like that sort of sneaky, you know, four fingers on the keyboard, one finger on a MIDI controller sort of move. And I missed the cue. And so everything was off by about eight bars. when I talk, um, you know, with the artist later, which like all things considered very forgivable. There were unfortunately a lot of uh, technical issues on the audio side as well for that set. Mm. So the video, the visuals being off by that much in a calculated way was actually very okay. All things considered, but a lot of the cues, the second half, I was just, again, video jockeying, right? I'm just playing like a video, but all the lights and the laser cues and all those, that was done by the LD in the room. So although, you know, I don't think it's been mentioned in this conversation yet, um, that is a huge part of the production experience when you're when you're talking about visuals and how things look and how they photograph mm-hmm. is the LD. And I absolutely love it when, without prompting, they are taking a look at my colors. Oh, you're going pink? I got pink. Oh, you're going green? I'll go blue. Oh, you're going red? I'll compliment that. I'll go orange. You know, or whatever that move is, when when, when they're firing away and the, the visual person is firing away, it's 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 a beautiful thing, right? It's someone someone described it as a very, very, very high and lofty. This is performance art, but only, you know, bespoke to a one room experience in one night. And I'm like, Bro, it's a rave, but at the same time, yes, it is. It is special. There is, as we've called it out, heart that goes into it. There's technology that goes into it. There's an art and a science that goes into it. There's partnership that goes into it. There's communication that goes into it. There's artist expectations and how do I bring this out and synesthesia and all that cool stuff. Um, so I just wanted to mention that specifically for that set. Thank you. I did have to come up with a bunch of things and still be creative, but also there was kind of a creative handoff at some point where it's like, hey, now my time to support this artist is just to play the video back to the best of my ability, which I still fumbled a bit, but you know, like I said, it's forgivable. Uh, but then really then just babysitting and letting the LD do their best you know, ability, letting the performer really shine, just knowing that like, hey, I, I brought this to this point and then now my job is to hand off and then, you know. That's that. That's it. So that's kind of a unique sort of experience for that one. Mm-hmm. But I did want to mention that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what what the analog crews um, you know experiences were in the. Uh, um, let's see. If I was noise, they were jewels. Um, what the experiences jewels with lighting or, or thoughts on that? Or I know it's mentioned already. Actually, at uh, day one, um, there was that moment um, when the, all the lights went out, right? And then it was just the visuals. So to coordinate those moments or to just happen into them, or is it technical issues or intentional issues that, you know, cause those, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's still improvising, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a really fun sort of partnership that I don't think we wake up like cracking our knuckles and be like, cool, I wonder who the LD that I'm going to collaborate with is today. It's just kind of a given for a club, but it's also, it's also an artist engagement. It's also a creative um, collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The staff at Catch One were like really, really good. Like the security people, 
they were pretty good too. There's some funny things that happened, but uh, the production people, like the, the audio people, <clears throat> shouts out the guy at the Jewel stage who helped me pipe in the audio from the mixer directly into the live stream. So if anyone doesn't know, that sounds really good. <laughs> and uh, there might be some releases coming out with that soon, just letting artists uh, have it so that, you know, they, it lives on. But um, the lighting director, like the dude, the laser shows and like the fog and like everything was so fucking good. Like they really, really know how to do their jobs like really well. So I'm not surprised this guy goes that far back. I'm like, wow, that shit was so good. Like for Cat System Corp, that was like, that was like the some of the best shit I've seen in any Vapor live performance you know like the just the ambiance of the room um it was so fucking good and blood wave too that was so so sick but yeah what was everyone else's thoughts on the lighting um so i'll say um with analog and just um projecting in general um you know it's i personally have the experience of like when i'm pulling up to a venue i i'm wondering like all right are me and the lighting guy going to be friends or are we going <laughs> yeah. to be today? Um, and, you know, generally speaking, I'm cool with most people, even if we don't always see eye to eye. But, you know, if I'm projecting, I would like my stuff to be as crisp as possible. And lighting guys don't always understand that when you wash out like a whole area, um, it sort of in a way subtracts from the projector light in a way. Um, it's, it's actually what is really happening is the opposite is that the light is adding and it gets closer to white, the more light yeah. you have on the same. Mm -hmm. And so to avoid going close to white or to avoid the washes, uh, washing you out, you either need to be brighter or you need to get creative about what the approach is with your visuals. And Ahead so time, ideally sometimes, <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is that it's always responsive too, yeah. because environment, every venue is different. Every, yeah, every LD. Yeah, every is different. Every lighting guy is different. And so, you know, uh, like for instance, the first venue, High Tide, it was sick that it was all washed out in the pink purple, but I felt like at times I had to boost certain things or try to mm -hmm. get contrast out of it to make sure that it would cut through the wash or like go with it, but like shoot through what exactly you wanted to do. And I noticed that um, there was like a part where, where Jumper was doing some stuff and I felt like it was just kind of dim yeah. and the washes really like bright. So I went over there and, and kind of like boosted um, the bright whites so that it, at least that part would shoot through. Um, mm -hmm. And then with the jewel stage, uh, when we were setting up, I kind of wrapped with the lighting guy a little bit and I was like, you know, so yeah, we want like, you know, probably the purple pink washes for the room. But if you could possibly just try not to shoot the same projection space that we're shooting at um, best you can, then that would be great. And for the most part, he did it right. But I did need to go and, and tell him just one more time, because I think at some point, like in between sets, he had turned on some lights just for the room. Yeah, And, and I'm forgot. cool with that. But I, I think he just forgot when a set was going and I was just like uh, struggling a little bit to try to like compensate for it with the, the colorizer and booster on my mixer. 
And so I, I walked all the way back up the little precarious staircase, <laughs> staircase that, that is back of the room there. And I was like, uh, hey, man, you know, just to uh, tell you one more time, just real quick. Uh, and, and it's funny because the reason I know that the lights were shooting at that point was because I saw them bouncing off like a pipe on the ceiling. <laughs> and I was like, look, man, that's the light that is on that I need you to turn on, yeah. please. <laughs> that one right <laughs> there. Cool. That one, that one. <laughs> But um, but he was cool about it and he was like, all right, for sure. And and he was even vibing with like what we were doing, like because he saw the setup, saw a bunch of old stuff, saw the Sega. And and then so once he saw that, he was like, oh, OK, these guys are doing something very specific here. And so let me go ahead and, and let them do their mm. thing. That was like um, the so skinny, like guys, like, yeah. redheaded guy kind of, right? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I think he might had a little bit of facial hair, yeah, like a mustache, yeah, but he was a chill dude uh you know i i didn't talk to him like a ton but we were hanging out for like a little bit and he was he was liking what we were doing so i'm glad he was like down to work with us it's always great when the lighting guy is wanting to be your friend yeah. and that's that's just the thing is like they know that they're on the team today you know like just like we were on the team and we already knew we were on the team you pull up and the lighting guys down to be on the team and the both of you elevate the experience together uh in union rather than mm -hmm. like individually and isolated from each other mm, perfect synchronicity yeah and so you just gotta you know let them in on it because if you don't talk to them they're just gonna do either what they do all the time or what they think which is is fine if they if they put some comprehension into it and and go with what you're doing but if, if they you know if you get the lighting guy that just comes in and, and it's his job and he does it like anybody does their job that they're not really like passionate about then you might run into some issues so that's why it's always really good to talk to those guys as, as soon as you get there and just be like hey this is what we're doing today and and like are you down to kind of be a little accommodating mm -hmm. to that and let you know and and you know we want to be accommodating to you too we don't want to have cords up in your zone and you tripping on them and like you know so we gotta we gotta you go up there talk to them and say hey how can we work together today you know mm -hmm. yeah yeah that, oh, that open communication right out of the gate wise words yep. for any aspiring video people um i yeah i do I, i'm just gonna run to the washroom quick but i don't want to stop the flow you all just want to keep chatting up and I'll uh, take off if anyone has anything they wanted to say, mention. Uh, yeah, we'll just, I mean, we'll just keep riffing, I suppose. I, I have a question for you as soon as we get back another, as soon as I get back. So please go right ahead. On. Otherwise I'll just cut it. <laughs> I'll keep it if it's good. For sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll just keep riffing. But hey, Joker, uh, who was, um, uh, who got the echo dolphin? Who got that? Yeah. So uh, that that's now uh, I'm, I'm turning that into like a, a reoccurring joke. Um, so three piece sweeps, which is my pup flamingos project. So Enzo and then Donor Lens have their their project in uh, three piece sweeps. So it's like drum and bass, um, kind of like pirate radio, late '90s esque, early 2000s UK like music scene. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of that, of their work specifically. But they've got a song, and it's funny because I didn't realize, like a lot of people may not have known the connection. So uh, just for anybody listening too. So uh, 10 Tricks Point Never, OPN sampled, uh, or he kind of used Echo the Dolphin as the cover for Echo Jams, the Chuck Person Echo Jams album. And then 
that's like kind of like considered, you know, big in like the vaporwave, you know, scene. So this year, my pet flamingo released. Uh, oh gosh, is it nobody? Well, it's not nobody here. It's it's a uh, echoes to the past. I think it's a compilation that they did, and it's like they have like Dan Mason. I think Dan. I know Nimesh and uh, Tupperwave. No, Donor Lens. Got a bunch of artists. They remixed like older vaporwave like ogs like 18 karat affair um and, and then in particular echo jams and then they kind of liked it their like a new spin on classic vaporwave tracks so three-piece suites uh redid echo jam echo breaks they have a song called echo breaks and so i think it's be real which is track two off of echo jams mm-hmm. that's the song that's sampled so whenever i did their set for the tape swap and they, you know, I knew that they were going to play Be Real. I was like, oh, you know what would be really cool? Like, let's play Echo the Dolphin. So I brought my PS2. Yeah, I brought my PS2 to the tape swap and play the 3D Echo the Dolphin. So then for LA, I brought Echo the Dolphin 2 on the Genesis Mega Drive and played that. And it was a really funny moment because, nice. like, I was I was waiting. I had it queued up and, like, waiting for them. And so... You know, whenever the song started, like then I we you know t-barred and faded into the uh, the Genesis, and so like the you know echoes doing flips in the air and the crowds like you know oh, laughing and screaming. I like I like the running you. thing you got going, man. I, I like you know what I'm saying. I wonder what the next one will be like. You know yeah, like would, that, you do a you know, would you do a completely different system, or would you still like? So yeah, so I've got. I need to find that. I've done Echo 3D. I've done Echo 2. So I, I could do Echo the Dolphin one would be probably the next one, and maybe I'll get Echo Junior. I think that's the only other Echo in the uh, series that was like Echo the kids version. <laughs> um, awesome. But that and, and but what's funny for me too is like. Before I got into Vaporwave, I've been a fan of Echo the Dolphin separately. Like twenty, I got married in twenty thirteen, and that's the first time I played it. So I mean, obviously, it's after you know it was actually new. But I'm a, I was like a massive fan. I beat the, I beat one and two on the Genesis. Like I'm a huge fan of the game. And then finding out years later, oh wow, this is a, you know, no pun intended, a Genesis for like a whole genre, right? Um, it just like reinforced how much I love the game. So then finding an artist that incorporates it and, you know, it's all connected. Like, yeah, it just, for me, like being able to play echo in front of a bunch of people and just kind of like have that audio visual aspect. Oh is yeah. Yeah. It really was great. Cool. Yeah. I, you know, I just remember looking over and then just people are like looking back and forth. They're like, wait, is that actually being played right now? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, I really am all about like live participation. There is a moment during, um, I think it was uh, Patrick Fakeman's opening DJ set for, for, for day two. And I had Sonic the Hedgehog two playing. And I handed Synchro Start the controller, and he was like, "What?" And like he picks it up, and I'm like, "No, play, play." <laughs> so he's playing Sonic Two on stage, and then I faded in like a VHS tape, uh, probably the style of scarf tape, I think. Yeah. And uh, and then like after like I was like changed what was projecting, I can my monitor I can have dual, so like I just changed it to just the Sega on the monitor, so Synchro Start's still playing the same <laughs> level while I'm doing something else on stage. Yeah, he's like, I gotta beat the level, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to tell you no. Like, you go ahead and play until you want. He's like, okay, I'm done. I was like, okay, cool. And then I unplugged it and, you know, went on to something else. But 
and just just being able to have that live aspect, you know, being able to hand a controller to somebody, and even if it's only a few people that realize it, like to me, that's part of the magic on stage. Mm-hmm. For sure, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Um, yeah, thanks for that, guys. Just had to grab a water too. So, um, a question for all of you: How? What are your recommendations? for anyone that like wants to get into live video, whether it's sort of digital or analog and maybe some tips, useful tips to know before diving in price your gear. Right. So how do you get yeah. gear? Like how do you know what to look for? Uh, how do you start to learn that? I guess, I mean, I'll, I'll answer it, but it's a bit of a not answer, unfortunately. Um, you know, the thing is that especially with analog, Um, there are just so many different ways to go about it that there isn't like one starting point that I could even be like a starter should do this. It's kind of like, what can you get your hands on? And once you do get your hands on something, learn it inside and out, you know? And so, you know, the first video mixer that I got was not one that I'm realizing is common at all. I learned on originally a Sony DFS 300 and it's an absolute beefcake of a mixer. Like it's, it's, it's got a processing unit that is literally, I'm, I'm holding my hands in front of myself right now. It's, it's like almost two feet wide and two feet deep and thick. It's just like a, a cake of two feet by two feet yeah. thing. And, and the, the board that you're actually pushing buttons on is a separate thing with a cable. And it's like, mm got your inputs and your your t-bar and your negative and all your effects and stuff and i was like man i'm really about to bring this to all of my gigs <laughs> uh, <must be> but <laughs> it was dope to have at home and like learn how to use a video mixer because they sort of all work almost the same like if it's got multiple inputs and a t-bar and can key then most video mixers are kind of the same Um, it's just that some have more inputs or some have more effects. And so really you just want to get your hands on a video mixer of any kind. And as long as you can plug some stuff into it, you're bound to be able to do something. And really my recommendation is get your hands on something and learn it just really well, as much as you can. And that is going to be your strength and your starting jumping point to whatever else then you get as you start to learn more because it's, it's really a rabbit hole of information on both the analog and digital side that you're not going to be able to learn it all at once and so it's it's truthfully over time and experience and just exposing yourself to more different ways of doing it that you realize what is even possible mm-hmm. and then you can start looking into okay well i want to go and get that so I can do that. But really, that's not how you start. The way you start is just start somewhere and just start, you know, like, just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what are some, uh, like, three or four things that you would suggest to s- plug into if you were to start with a video mixer, for example, just that maybe people would have laying around? Like, you had that genius idea of using your phone, for example, converting the signal to VGA. You know, what are some other things? And I only figured time that out director. in visual five years like right i didn't even think that till now you know yeah yeah good point you'll never stop coming up with new little things but just for anyone who's um 
looking to get started, like what can they use? Like VCR. I'm gonna take that. I mean, that all. I mean, that, I guess it. I kind of depends on which which kind of way, like you said, which way you want to kind of want to go with it. You know, which direction. I mean, for starters, if anything, like I would suggest, that just a simple VCR. You know, get take a VCR. You know, open it up. You know, fiddle around with it. See, you know, what I'm saying, just be careful. You know, and see what kind of stuff you get from that, just from manipulating just that. Then you oh. can, you know, what I'm saying, move on to like a. It's just a simple switcher, just something simple that will let you change from one video to another and let you manipulate it that way. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. those are good little starter kind of things. You know what I'm saying? You're still in the 80 to $90 kind of range-ish, you know, and before, you know, you want to step into like, you know, big, huge mixers. Um, another is, I mean, it's totally the, the direction that the person wants to go, but I mean, a CRT, you probably would want to get one just because you know it holds a signal much better than when you're trying to capture it and you mm -hmm. don't get the warmth that you get from a CRT that you get from a uh capture card yeah digitizing and you know what yeah. I'm saying like and then when you move into the mixer lane that's when you start to decide whether you want you want a time-based corrector because you know the time-based corrector is going to allow you to control that signal that you're that you're pumping into it or else you're going to get blue and black screens they're just going to drop out on you. Mm. So when you have, but most of the time, a decent mixer has a time-based corrector built into it. So, you know, and, and depending on the mixer, how strong it is, it can handle whatever you're feeding it. Um, mm -hmm. But so again, you know what I'm saying? Those are kind of the main things you want to get, you know, so I think that's a good mm -hmm. start right there. When you mentioned the VCR, yeah. so you're like getting like a Q-tip and like probing certain parts of it, like the, the heads. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of mm -hmm. rubbing the heads, rubbing the tapes, you know, just kind of doing stuff like that if you want to. If you if you have a few of them laying around, you can rub a, uh, a magnet across it, see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, just be, just be careful, on, you know, when you where you rub it, of course, and not next to other equipment, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you can start to, uh, you know, get really dirty. But the thing is, people don't want these days, you know, to really destroy your equipment like that because it's just getting rare and rare, like this stuff. Repairs are expensive. You know. Yeah. Sure. I'll recommend. Uh, so when I started, uh, when I got into, so I got into like glitch art outside of the vaporwave community, but like through circuit bending and a dirty mixer, I think is a really good, important thing to look up um i'm all about encouraging people to build themselves if they can learn how to solder because it's, it's really if i can do it anybody can do it my soldering iron is like from walmart and it looks horrible um but you, you can you can solder two potentiometers 10k potentiometers with a switch and then you get like two rca inputs one rca output and it's an analog, it doesn't require power, you can't shock yourself building it, and you really can't go wrong. Um, but what that does is it forces two in, input visual, video signals into one output. And so you're basically, do, whichever the dominant signal in, and it creates a lot of uh, lines and, and glitching effect on screen. That's so cool. But it's a simple project. But for me, like that's what started my love for it. Mm -hmm. Like once I made that, I was like, okay, what can Next. I add to it? What What's next? Yeah. And I think the other half of doing video work is it's not as much about, in my opinion, in just my opinion, it's not a much about what you have, but it's like Moray and Videodrome, like said, like how you use it, like how you master it, because the songs that you're working with, the music that you're working with, like the first, the most important thing is understanding like, okay, what tone is it? 
you know, cause there's, and I, I don't, I don't, you know, I try never to be negative about any visual artist, but like, you know, some people glitch and it's like, it almost looks like you're having a seizure, right? Like it's all flickering, which is cool. Like, you know, at certain times, but I think it's important to know, okay, how, is the song slower? Like what's the vibe? What's, what is the artist intending for the music? And then mm-hmm. being able to use your equipment to match that yeah, to complement it. Yeah, there's so many. Yeah, because like, yeah, just like all hell was saying, you know, what I'm saying with the colors, you know, what I'm saying it's really yeah. that's the tone. That's that's a major part of it too, because you're projecting exactly. a color, you know, that the, you know, what I'm saying they they have feelings to them. So, you know, that's you know when you're giving off that vibe, you know, what I'm saying that's those are you know certain colors that you want to use mm-hmm. to set the tone, and just yeah. like you said, using you know, what I'm saying based off the music. Mm-hmm. So, we have a lot of like online events. There's in-person events happening too. Um, personally at Utopia District, not many in-person ones. Um, we don't know what's really happening this summer in New York, but uh, we, if there's something, we'll try and be there, but it's hard to say in what capacity. And then Flamingo, Fe- the next Flamingo Fest will happen, I'm fairly sure. Um, we have to, you know, the boys and I need a break. <laughs> we still have a lot of wrap-up to do for this but uh, we do want to bring it back so people can uh, look forward to that and uh, but just generally for the other events in the meantime um, for anyone listening that like wants to practice their video creation and get into it um, you know what are like how do you how do you like you just, you know, people are approaching artists and they just like my recommendation is ask if people have a, an album coming out or a single for an, for an album that you could make a video for. But I'm but for like the live component, because, um, you know, I don't really do live video. I just make pre make my videos and like someone like all of you have been saying it's not the tools you have. Because you know, all I have is Adobe Premiere and whatever footage I have, um, and I just edit. Like my approach is more like storytelling and cutting, uh, very specifically, and and choosing the right footage. But how do people like find opportunities to get like those those sets where like you can really explore and um, like try out these. Like if you're inspired by this podcast, for example, instead of just making things for yourself, like how did all of you kind of find yourselves becoming a part of uh, the the live, you know, version apart from don't use examples where I invited you. (laughs) I'll I'll jump in first. Uh, Anime conventions. So anime Mm. conventions always rent video walls. And I find that, or at least my career can, can also agree, that they don't always find interesting things to put on these video walls. Mm-hmm. So the good news is that you don't have to convince someone to like take on the very oftentimes large cost of renting this and paying for staff and all that. Right? If they've got one, they've got one. Uh, but for you to approach them and say, hey, I'd like to do visuals for the fashion show, for the rave, for the, you know, just something it's a very impactful big you know canvas to quickly get on um i talked to someone who like they um 
they were, um, you know, I think still like, like junior, senior in high school or something like that. Very involved in the fashion scene at one of these anime conventions in Texas. And then they were just like, they just figured out how to launch multiple, like, like quote unquote clips in OBS, right? Using OBS as like a very, uh, standard inelegant sort of VJ tool, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. It works, right. It can absolutely. Um, and then they were brought over to me by like, like, uh, uh, the agency person I work with and they're like, Oh, here's Tyler. He's a VJ, right. Professional VJ. And like, I didn't even know somebody does what you do. And I was like, yeah, like, so there's, mm-hmm. there's space there to really step up to that because like I said, there's a good resource there and there's, and there's not a lot of crowding. Um, if someone, if someone's like, Oh, how do I do that on big video walls? Like it, it's, it's, there's a weird dance about it and there's weird politics and there's weird, like the people that, you know, and then if you're trusted for big things, then it's, it's a silly, like, but at the end of the day, we're just plugging into HDMI cables. Right. So if you can connect your Xbox at home, you're as equally as an expert as I am, but the trust of, I've heard horror stories of artists who weren't aware that someone's you know, making last minute changes to the visuals, put up a bunch of, you know, like, like 18 plus lewd stuff that they weren't necessarily in alignment with for the visuals. And they're like, wow, um, everyone kept uh, on social media and this is the worst experience of my life. Right. That can happen. That's where there is this trust that goes in, but to just, Hey, can you trust me with that wall over there? And it's an anime convention. If they really have a problem, they'll just yank your HDMI out. Um, I think, yeah, low stakes, finding that sort of sweet spot of low stakes, um, think about like it, those of you who are pursuing traditional educational paths, all the smart classrooms, right? When those don't get used for the day, like those also plug into HDMI, right? But you have to have, make sure the AV staff is your friend. That's where I used to, you know, that's, right. that's where my career started. So be nice to them. Um, but there are ways there to get a, you know, staff sponsorship for a club. And then, hey, you can have an AV club. How cool is that? Where you just plug in your laptop to a big, you know, projector in an improved, you know, like, like lecture hall, and you can see your stuff on a big scale. You can turn down the lights and, you know, put up little models and do, you know, little videos or whatever in front of that or album shoots, right? Like take the releases you're working on, put them in the chemistry lecture hall, figure out a cool way to kind of angle it, put your logo up on the screen and treat that as a visual canvas, right? So I think there are ways, it's just, I wish that that, you know, we had like a flying orb that turned into a giant video wall and looked amazing at all times of day. We don't have that technology yet. But while we're still figuring that out, like, you know, think of get creative, right? Think of think of ways, um, you know, projection is cool because it gets it's as big as the object you project on well and angles and things. But, you know, like that's that's a that's a very fulfilling mm-hmm. uh, uh, removal of a limitation as an artist that we traditionally have. I only have this much paint. I only have this much wood with light like it, you don't you're you're you know you still have limitations but they're just not what you're used to with physical things so that's always inspiring um but i would just think outside of the box uh for tools if you can get really good at obs you'll be good at anything um if you have a graphics card grab the resolume demo it's going to have an annoying watermark um that you can't get rid of but um if you can imagine a friend of yours who's a graphic designer who's fluent in all the different blend modes, if you can get there in Resolume, you will be a super champ when it comes to the digital side of things. And that is, I would say it's a life skill because like graphic design is such an important element of everything we do. It's never a bad skill to be like, oh yeah, I could help out with that flyer or that revision or adding that person on it. And there's a lot of overlap in the visual world. Um, mm-hmm. I would say we're all compositors, even though we're not necessarily, you know, an acknowledgement of that. We all have to think of in the fly, this is too bright, this is too colorful, this is too pink, this is too purple, this is too not enough like this artist, this is too not enough like this energy, mm-hmm. or this is a perfect amount of energy and the converse for all that. So 
we're all doing that at all times um in that that you're always sharpening you're always thinking how could this look better um but i would just say for me i i i have an ego and i'll acknowledge that and i love plugging into the largest canvas possible mm-hmm. um but um you know as an av professional working both in in you know corporate campus and educational campus and retail store there's so much waste to these systems that people aren't doing cool things mm-hmm. on these at all times and that hurts me spiritually so yeah. let's uh, let's pick up some of that slack uh, <laughs> and plug into some cool shit that's amazing I can say shit, right? no, thanks for saying that like let's utilize all the shit that people have paid for that's just sitting around overnight none of it's in use right like why not book a late slot you know that's that's such a good idea and yeah getting creative i didn't even think about some of the things you said that's uh that's really great way for people to just get practice and see if it's right for them you know what i mean not everyone has access to like university campus nearby and whatnot but that for anyone that does that's absolutely that's uh, I'm th- I'm thinking of shit right now. I'm like, man, I've, I think I would like to try that. Just you know, controlling the mood and the lighting because I just sit here at my monitors, right? It's, it doesn't have the same impact until you see it on the day of in the big room, like you know. Yeah, and so if you're not plugged into that, you can look for the auction sales and things where some of that excess does turn into like, hey, if I have tens of dollars i might be able to pick up a projector from 10 years ago and it still has a functioning bulb because they swapped one out right before they deinstalled it there's some silly excess waste that happened that Mm -hmm. is you know puts that commodity device in your hands so um yes i I do wish it was as ubiquitous as hey go download obs do you have a computer that can run obs you can play around some visual things cool um i wish it were quite that easy for actually getting it on cool canvases Mm -hmm. but um you know think if you you know have some friend or connection or something to you know a religious institution that has the same sort of av stuff you know, cool. I would say, like, you know, back in the day, Dude, punks play at like VFW halls. Churches. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, church. Yep, churches, churches, churches of AV. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so just find find places, be creative, or if not, pull together some money, find cheap stuff on Offra, Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, like art know, galleries. Like, you want to project there? Art galleries. Yeah, so yeah. they they would probably welcome that, right? They that would be another one to pitch, right? Hey, I know you do this. I'm trying to get into visuals. I see you have this permanent projector in that HDMI port. I have a very small table. It's just me and a couple of my analog pieces or me and my laptop. I'd like to do that. Um, that's, that's yeah. Find, find places where someone isn't connecting and, and fix that. <laughs> I Just a small tangent. Literally yesterday, uh, I, or maybe the day before, I was in, I'm in Toronto and I walked by a shoe museum and they had like a vaporwave art exhibit on the wall and they were playing that... Uh, it was like it looked like a CRT monitor floating in black space. It was very cool, with like all kinds of '80s videos. And one of them was that like uh, athletes uh, dance thing where they go exercise aerobics, you know, in front of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Everybody's knows that like eight that big video, but it's like, who set that up? You know, like why? What? you know there's so many opportunities for those types of things and um like yeah like tyler said all these places and canvases are just waiting to have things presented and projected onto them okay so next question sorry did anyone have anything i I was just gonna say you know my my uh advice to anybody that wants to get into doing this kind of stuff like 
it's not limited to vaporwave. It's not limited sure. to one genre of music. I feel like just from an artist capacity, you know, and standpoint, find what inspires you and then try to make something off of that. Because like when I got into, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so honored to be, you know, here and to be a part of Flamingo Fest and part of, you know, the whole, you know, scene. But like, I, I grew up on punk music and goth music and post-punk, like, so when I first started, I was listening, I, I, and I encourage anybody, like, find the music that inspires you, doesn't matter what genre it is. Find something that makes you get into the mood where you want to create, and then, like, you know, yeah, get a VCR, like Videodrome said, you know, get, get some equipment, get something basic, and then learn how to work that, and don't necessarily worry about, okay, is this the correct aesthetic? You know, is this, you know, is, is this vaporwave? Is this future funk? It doesn't, you know, to me, it's like, it doesn't matter what it ends up being because all of the artists that we listen to and that, you know, were on stage for the, you know, what we worked on, they didn't grow up on vaporwave. They didn't grow up on future funk. You know, they, they had their own influences. And so I think as an artist, you know, all of, especially specific, I'll just speak for myself. I'm robbing and sampling other people, you know, I'm stealing <laughs> vaporwave, you know, I'm stealing VHS tapes, I'm stealing, you know, clips and stuff from other people that's made it and reinterpreting it into something else. And I think that's a good start is, you know, if you like, if you like, it doesn't matter what genre you're like, I listen to a lot of the Ramones and a lot of the cramps and a lot of the cure and, you know, music that's not vaporwave that got me in the mindset to make something. And so then I started making these, you know, clips and loops and stuff on my Instagram. And I just encourage anybody, like there's, you, there's not really a necessary, like a rule of what you have to have and what you have to do. I think it's, a, it's more about what do you want to do and what do you, you know, what do you want your in creation to be? And then just following that. And as long as you're enjoying it and it's, you know, it's something that you're wanting to make, you're going to make something. So what, with whoever you reach out to but I feel like that's an important start. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well said. So the the big question then, why get into video? Like what, what inside of you, each of you I'm asking, makes you want to do it? Why, what is your, what pulls you, you know, what captivates you about it? Why do you do it? Spend so much time doing it, six hours per tape, jumper you know video drum you're spending 20 hours on your videos here and there and y'all are madmen. <laughs> um why do we do it as a video creator myself why do we do it insanity why someone do it yeah okay well <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i mean it's just it? it's having that it's having that image like in your head and you finally get it out like you know i'm sure it's same thing as like a painter you know even though i don't paint or anything yeah. like that i still feel like the video is my canvas you know like especially because i use black as a medium so you know I, I you know i want to see that finished product that's in my head that that you know i may be looking for a video for six or seven hours that fits, you know, just 30 seconds that just fits just perfect to, to that beat, you know, and it, 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 wow. it, 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 sometimes it'll, you know, it'll hit you at the right time. And, you know, there's just a vision that you would probably have in your head that, you know, that you just have to get out. 
and that's what I have every time I hear music. So it's, I guess it's specifically wow. for, and it's not just vaporwave either. You know, there's all types of music that you know. What I'm saying you 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 take it. You know, you take it with you. You know, you 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 may like go out in the woods or you're sitting on a train or something like that. You know, and you close your eyes for a second. You just kind of you know visualize the music. So that's what I'm trying to get across can, is can, is what you see when you close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Can I tangent that before we have another person answer and ask you, and everyone can roll this into their answer to the question as well, is what point in your life, what happened, like what was the moment and what built up to you realizing that you had to express yourself through some can for through some medium and you chose video? Mm. a great question yeah i mean yeah i mean there are a, a lot of things a lot of things that especially that happen in life you know those are that have to be a major change very personal things that that may have happened to you you know what i'm saying that you just feel like you just have to express it you know even if you're in a basement creating or you're in your room or whatever they call it you know and you're just keeping it all to yourself there's totally nothing wrong wrong with that you know i spent years doing that mm-hmm. you know and you know honing and crafting you know what i'm saying doing your own thing before even putting it out to the world but i mean yep. but because some things are just personal you know that you that you kind of keep to yourself and then you know what i'm saying there's times that you you know what i'm saying want to you know get it out of course and it's just I, um and then what was i guess what was like the 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 main question you said was yeah, you're that's how you know you're a, you're a real artist if you're just making your art for yourself and and you're because you have to get it out but um yeah it was what 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 was the the trigger you know what happened oh, i don't right. know if it was one yeah. point but like but when did you realize that you're like i need to do something or you kind of realize slowly over time like hey this video thing is a great expressive medium for me i've got like a personal answer for that mm. for myself um so i mean before i was doing video um i was always in bands um bass player mainly but i play like guitar keys and drums and stuff um and i was doing that and then any free time that i had like i would stay up real late i was drawing a lot so visually uh my art started a lot with drawing um like op art inspired patterns and uh geometric stuff and like um a lot of my drawings the way that the patterns are um, sort of imply movement, mm. uh, like moray bender. Uh, the moray is, is a type of pattern when you layer patterns over each other, you get this sort of difference pattern, um, similar to when you see like two screens in front of each other or like two fences in front of each other. Mm. There's that like extra difference pattern made, or like when you try to take a video of a screen, you get those like artifacts and like wiggly kind of stuff happen. Those are moray patterns. And so I was doing drawing stuff using moray patterns and and just a lot of op art style stuff and listening to music all the time while I was drawing and staying up late and I would be playing records and listening to CDs and I always liked looking through booklets and thinking about like the fact that you know when you have a good album so many times those people are also thinking about well how are we going to package this album that really fits this and and if they're thinking about art in that way then sometimes they put out really good um you know artwork packaging for albums and it just really elevates the experience when you have an lp in your hand and you're opening it up and looking at it 
And so I would be drawing and I'd have like the record around listening to music and I would be playing music in my bands and making art for my band. Um, and so I would be doing these drawings that implied motion. And I was like, you know, I eventually do want this to be moving for real mm -hmm. and make it that motion fit the tempo of whatever audio is also being heard while looking at it to like tie all these concepts that I've like had an interest in individually and tie them into a medium that actually does represent it all at once. Um, and so really for me, I thought I was going to be a musician, um, growing up. Like I was like, yeah, dude, I'm totally down to go on tour. And I still kind of am, honestly, I'm, I'm still down, but like, now I'm like, well, maybe I'm not going to be, you know, a famous rock star or whatever in the audio sense, but I will always be pursuing the relationship of music and visual art mm. um, in one way or another. I'm always going to be in, like intentionally combining those aspects in one, in one way or another. And so that's where I sort of have landed myself with this like, thing that I thought was going to be a hobby. And I just, you know, did it by myself for a solid year or two, even before I ever did a show. Um, and I was working with like stranger liquids, the, uh, the liquid guys that do the overheads and stuff. And I was actually vending at shows, like selling my prints of my drawings oh, wow. and I met visuals people. Yeah. And so eventually we did like a thing where we made like a transparency of one of my drawings and put liquids over it and that's kind of when it hit me i was like oh i should really just be doing visuals with my stuff and like my style even started a lot with scans of my drawings and i would just layer them over each other and spin them um either literally by hand or in software um and then uh so that's sort of how the process happened with me i knew that it was always going to be some kind of pairing of visual art and music together because that's what represents motion and time and space and tempo and just like wrangles it all in you know what i mean mm. and then you went out and bought that monster uh mixer whatever. yeah i was just like okay the first mixer i can get my hands on and, and you know one of the reasons i bought that mixer was because it was frankly inexpensive and the ones that i knew were the popular ones were harder to get at the time because i didn't have money like that mm -hmm. but it's more important to get your way in there somehow than to drop a whole bunch of coin all at once on like something that you don't have experience with yet you know i'm of the mentality that you like you kind of, you kind of, you pay your dues a little bit, you know, you put in the work and then at some point you deserve better and you know it, and then you buy yourself the nice thing, you know, like that's just my approach. Some people just jump right into buying the nice thing and they can make visuals that slap, but that's not how everybody can do it. And it's more important to have the skills at the end of the day, because that's, what's really going to make good visuals, mm -hmm. um, that are better than just what the equipment is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Oh, that, that yeah. gives me another question, but I, I will. He, he's got them, by the way. I just want to interrupt. He's got them. Like you can, you can say, "Hey, Moray, do this," and he just like doesn't even have to think about it. And he's got that triggered yeah, up. So yeah, yeah, Amaz big shot. <laughs> Amazing. Button it is. It's it's there. Yeah, yeah it's there. <laughs> it's <right>? there. <laughs> Amazing story. Um, Tyler, what about yourself? I'll help break loops. So I, I have an interesting take where I feel like I consumed a little bit too much dystopian sci-fi in my formative years around 12 or 13. 
and then it made me see the rest of the world in the same terms. Yeah. So it's like there's a rebel, and they have the skill set needed to take down the corporation. And like, I don't know, they've got like a robot arm and a katana and sunglasses <laughs> and they're driving off Get into the sunset and it's digital and there's like a muscle car, you know, all, all the cliches. But like I ended up working in corporate and then I ended up like I I got into corporate AV because I was a wedding DJ. And then I, there was like an audio guy or no, there was a video guy and there was an audio guy and I was the audio guy. And then the video guy got laid off and then I became both the audio guy and the video mm. guy. But like I did that for like, you know, like a decade plus. And I was like. I know all these skills, and towards the end, I was designing the engineering for all these really cool, wacky aspect um, uh, video walls. Like, uh, if you go in a bunch of surf, surf shops and you see these weird one by four, one by six, one by eight, one by ten strips, like I started that trend, and it's a dumb aspect ratio, but whatever the leadership bought into it. So, anyways, I have that knowledge of like, there's all this corporate waste, there's all this excess, I have all this forbidden knowledge that like. It's dumb if I'm just like engaged on, hey, we're like rebuilding the boardroom. What what new waste should we put in that we're going to rotate in another two years when there's a new, you know, chief technology person and they need to claim another win? And they're like, oh, I redid the boardroom. Right now, like all this God, excess, it. one, it's cool to see it funnel into the analog side, right? But then two, on the video side, like uh, as, you know, Jumper mentioned, like, like, you know, you have anxiety thinking about a laptop performing as you know at, at you know prefer, let's say production quality you know level for you know a number of hours right without any issue flawlessly it's a very very valid concern i've been tackling that same exact trust issue for like probably 15 years right so now I trust a laptop that I can baby and I can like coddle and I can set up exactly the way I want way more than hardware because my biggest fear is forgetting something, right? So for me, it's point of failures. If you need to bring five, you know, routing cables, I, you know, if it's in my bag, it's, it's N plus one. So if I need two USB, I need three. If I need two power cables, I need three, you know, whatever that is plus one. Yeah. Um, also like leaving I have way more and, or yeah. losing it, forgetting yes. it. It's it, that that is it, I've left power cables behind and my fear is if I have cool toys something bad will happen I've left good headphones behind I've left a shirt they gave me a shirt for the event and I changed my shirt and I left my shirt behind it anyways dumb <laughs> shit gets left behind and so to mitigate it I travel as lightly as possible right so there's the video knowledge of oh wait what are we doing oh yeah so whenever you're like oh yeah so I took my phone out and I converted that and I had this other you know thing that converted to composite and that got and I was like beautiful beautiful I love it because like mapping that out is something that I was you know that that was my vocation right so like that comes second hand but then the question is can you do that and if I can connect to your if my laptop can talk to your laptop and I can talk to your rig and we can connect with just a network cable like let's make art you know like that that's then I'm like okay let me take this forbidden knowledge and do something useful with it so that's that's my very deep <laughs> philosophical um whoa he's a corporate shark and now he's a visual shark you know whatever story framing you want to put around it that's me but like that's why i do what i do but like you know i don't i don't like i i have a friend and i roast the dude because like he works for linkedin but he doesn't want anyone to know so i see him at the venue i was like yo love the backpack because it's got the link it's got the <laughs> smallest linkedin logo on it right because it's just there there's there's this special camaraderie for like engineers that value culture and are capable of art and are at this crux of like do i work for the defense contractor mm -hmm. and make more money than god or do i do art or is there a balance right mm -hmm. and i think to a lesser degree everyone's asking that that the same sort of questions but for engineers there's a unique 
analysis of your life in that way, where I bet you've put things about this on a spreadsheet. Um, so there's just like a special, like, ah, you suffer as I suffer sort, sort of way. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's a part of the process. That's a part of the game, but that's, yeah, that's, that's no. a big part of what informs me and yeah. why I do what I do. Now you've take that corporates. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Let's get some art in there, Great. bitch. Um, <laughs> you, uh, you do such a great job of, um, like that hybrid of art versus corporate, like, uh, with, you know, you talked about you know, how to make relationships and how to talk to people, how to work with people. Like that's so important. There's so much room for art in the corporate world too. And like people, like, like you were saying, they don't know what they want or what's good. And there's just so much freedom there to, you know, explore and, and do whatever you want. And, um, uh, I, just commend your ability and your um, advice on uh, to to any of us, to all of us on how to, and and just not be scared of approaching people like that, you know, or making those types of relationships because now look at you, you're doing audio and apparently the audio, the video guy couldn't do the audio, but the audio guy could do the video. I think that's funny. But yeah, I, I think it's it's more of an unlearning of there shouldn't be binaries. There shouldn't be these like categories or lanes of like you're an audio person, you're a video person. Like it's it's I think AV feels like a little too 70s. Like I feel like multimedia feels a little bit too Y2K, right? Like there's never a good name for it, but just the production feels a little bit too fancy. I don't know. The word for when everything comes together and it clicks, like that thing we care about that thing and, and chasing that thing uh, shouldn't be stuck in a domain. It should just be, Hey, I have a lot of knowledge about audio stuff. Like, Oh, wait a minute. There's ways to think about that same sort of routing in terms of video or lighting. Right. That's a domain that I don't know. I know like enough of the jargon. I know how I connect to it, but I don't, I don't actually know how to operate a lighting desk. Right. Like I have an appreciation for that craft, but it's like another lane over. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, Ask questions, learn things from each other. You know, like we were saying about cables and feedback and internal feedback, like that's a great opportunity. Once like, hey, hand me that cable. Wait a minute. Can that cable be, do I have 30 seconds to explain this concept in a way that will really help you later? I think I do. Let's go for it. You know, (laughs) go for it. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the motto. That's the motto of this episode, folks. Just go for it. And uh, we hope to see a lot more. Um, videos and video people, new video people in the scene. Hopefully we inspire some people with this this festival. Um, somebody was just speaking and got interrupted. Who was that? Moray Bender? Oh, I, I think I just, because uh, he was talking about like what exactly to call this combination of mm-hmm. fields. And like, I feel like I hear the word production, but that just feels like too soulless and it doesn't like mm-hmm. touch on fact that it is art and like humans doing stuff and like calling it production makes you just feel like i'm a wall at the venue or something like that um there's no so there's, there's really a good word for it honestly like but it it is real people doing shit and like having multiple skills like one person probably knows how to do a handful of different things and that also allows him to work with those people better um and I did like also that Tyler mentioned, uh, like sort of repurposing corporate knowledge. Um, that is actually a lot of what doing visual art in the video field is, uh, you're repurposing, uh, you know, very corporate, like mm-hmm. art 
math knowledge um, and specs of stuff to do cool shit instead of lame, boring shit. Um, and like video mixers, you know, they might have they probably they were probably just sitting in a rack somewhere until some guy hawked it on eBay and some guy like me or video drum or jumper bought this and then plugged it into their rig and now it slaps and it does cool stuff yeah. and colorful things and like you know more fun than it was ever doing in a rack in a corporate field you know mm -hmm. whether it was in use or just collecting dust right you know until we got a hold of it yeah that's awesome and I think there's also an additional layer that speaks to the sort of like, you know, planned obsolescence of many of our more modern devices, right? Mm, Where like, like I, I know we're talking about cool shit versus not cool shit. And I do agree, but <laughs> there is a beauty in engineering and that a, you know, a VCR, right? It may have required service or it may have required no service and still functioning today. And it was manufactured you know, 30 years ago. There is a beauty in like, whoa, what else do you have around today? Like, <laughs> you think the wireless router is going to be used in 30 years? Good yeah. luck. That thing's going to be shredded into plastic, yeah. right? But this VCR, like, it's around from back in the day. Or there's different flavors of them. And there's an appreciation for like, ah, oh, that's just a consumer unit. But this one, mm -hmm. look at this. The Scrabble wheel does, you know, like like frame-by-frame uh, -frame tracking or something like that. You know, like, yeah. there's all the, there's a... But then, then it's interesting because if you were if you were telling me a feature about an iPhone 15, I'd be like, boring. Do not tell me about this, right? Worst party story ever. But if you're like, hey, let me tell you about a feature on this VCR from 35 years ago, I'm like, let's hear it, right? So it's weird, and it's almost like this flip of like, I want to hear more. I want to consume the capitalism back in the day because. I don't know, maybe there's a larger conversation about the art. There's a, there, it speaks things that I'm just using these objects from back in the day, or I'm not. I'm just using their digital facsimile in Resolume in the digital space. But, you know, like, they're, they're getting that much life out of a thing, I think there's beauty in that, too. Although you're not seeing it. It's not on the screen. You're not actually seeing the words. Tyler thinks this is very profoundly beautiful. It's just there is a, there is a specialness of the brushes that we're using and that it takes the efforts of, you know, Jumper putting together all these, you know, pastiche, you know, random clips. It's just like, this is a labor of love, and yet it's a very unloving labor at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's a good podcast clip. Make sure I capture that one. Mm -hmm. yeah. Soundbite <laughs> recorded. What, yeah, no, no, I, 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 thank you. No, I, I agree completely. I, I know for myself and, like, my artist's name, like, it's, it's inspired by basically trying to take something and then turning that into something else. So for me, I like to take, you know, the most random, weird, you know, unrelated VHS tapes that nobody's watching that is bound to be lost to time. And then, you know, reinterpret that into something that matches the music or the vibe or the scene that people are watching. And just like you said, you know, nobody else may know it, but like knowing that I'm able to use equipment that we all are able to use equipment and, you know, hardware. And e even if it's software, you're still using a computer. You're still using like other programs, like whatever we're doing, we're, we're, we're combining that into a final output. And, you know, that's why I'm very big on, I'm not saying analog is better and I'm, you know, in many, in ma the majority of the ways, digital is better just because it's more reliable. But it's it's being able to use something that you really, truly love to work with, something you enjoy interacting and learning with. 
But for my sake, you know, using VHS tapes, making mixtapes, making, you know, using film, spending hours to find that 10 second, you know, clip, you know, like that is what it's about because that's where my heart is. That's where all of you guys, it's where your heart is, you know, whatever medium that you're working with. But being also able to use equipment that has an expiration date or in many cases are already obsolete. You know, most of the equipment that we use is already obsolete. If you if you think about it, and yet that kind of like goes with the whole Flamingo Fest and Vaporwave Future Funk, you know, like that's part of the charm is using equipment that's no longer needed, and it's obtuse and it takes more time, but the amount of love and appreciation and effort that you put into it is is for me that's what makes me want to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. like I. Videodrome, you know, and more even all, all of you guys, I identify completely with, you know, being having an image in your head and wanting to see that. It's not that you want that for other people to see, but it's like, okay, when I'm listening to the music, this is what's going on in my head. Mm-hmm. And right now, nobody else is doing that. Nobody else is really capturing what I feel like everybody's collectively feeling. How can I help? You know, mm-hmm. it, and, and that's my the way I approach it is it's not that I want to be like what I want to be on stage. I try to feel like, okay, what is everybody collectively feeling or what is everybody, what would everybody collectively say? Hey, that's pretty interesting. Maybe not cool. Maybe not, you know, what right or wrong, but just that's interesting. That's what I want to try to get on screen. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I enjoy using, you know, tapes and a medium because in a couple of years, it's all going to be gone. You know, most of the tapes that I have probably have maybe five or 10 years left on them. And that's if I don't continue using them as much as I do. So I feel like that's part of like just being a visual artist. It's it's and it's also it's being willing. It's willing to be in the background and not necessarily, you know, your name's not top of the list. People aren't going to the show to see our name. But that's what they're seeing on stage. You know, it's enhancing their experience. And I think that if you can keep the music and the, just the whole show in general in focus, that's where you have a really enjoyable time. You know, that's where everybody has a great experience is that it's not singularly about one person mm. necessarily. So for me, that's why I got, you know, and, and with, with Moray, you know, I always thought I would be a musician but then you realize there's a lot of different avenues and aspects when it comes to live music and you know festivals and shows mm-hmm. and so being able to enhance it that way has just been a really nice experience it's so awesome to have vaporwave and and have this uh like area of explore exploration where we can do that kind of stuff because you know not everyone gets to express their internal stuff through music but in vaporwave because half of the genre is the visual um it creates so much opportunity for people who didn't get to be a musician to still like affect people musically and feeling and whatnot like uh, it's such a beautiful thing it's such a labor of love and um you know you it, you guys it all comes from the bottom of your heart and it's such a just wonderful beautiful thing that uh, we we've done here and um you know for people to hear and know that like yeah we're these visuals were made with you in mind you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. amazing yeah um okay so there's a couple of artists we didn't 
get to talk about. I don't want them to go unfeatured. So do we want to just uh, quickly hammer through a couple here? I know we didn't speak on Uniwa or Fake Fever or Christ yet. Um, anything come to mind for those sets, Tyler? Uh, so Uniwa, as I, I discussed, but I didn't actually mention it by name, uh, I think the provided asset was a 10-minute clip, and I segmented that up and basically cut it into eighths. And then each eighth segment, so then like would be played over and over for basically like uh, what would it work out to for that that same amount of the set, so like seven minutes and change or whatever that would be. So I, although I was given ten minutes, I looped that in a way to reinforce the sort of visual themes within each chunk um, in a way. So again, like it's more like. Just think of it as pretty math, right? That like, oh, okay, it looks good on screen. There was a framework and a flow to kind of reinforcing these different sections that was done a subtle way, and then the logo on top. And you know, that's that. That honestly is the preferred sort of asset split. Give me a logo, give me a sort of you know a sample of visuals you like, and then I know what to deliver. So mm-hmm. um, that that was that one. Awesome. Um, I'm always a big big fan of Christ's visuals. Um, uh, oh, the, so yeah, he would have. You know, they always, own, they, right. yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, fake fever. I remember really cool content. Um, that one I was jockeying, um, so I just played the clip back. It was a good vibe. I think I had to play it twice, um, but yeah, it's a great pair. Again, it doesn't matter what the process is. It doesn't matter if it's very complex. It doesn't matter what my um, um, input or ne- or. Yeah, it doesn't matter what my participation is. It's really about, hey, this asset reinforcing what the artist is presenting. Hmm, how can I how can I put that together and also scale that effort with the needs yeah, exactly. of you know many many hours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, how can I keep all that up? Usually, it's it's you know keep it simple because uh, y- your your chances for pulling it off are usually a little bit higher. And um, yeah, but prep prep in advance. I mean, that's my method. I again, we're talking about improvisation. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I just it's less nervous for me if I feel like I'm gonna if I'm at risk of underperforming. And so if I can premeditate looks, that's usually easier for me. That hasn't been the easiest skill. It's something I've had to build up. It's something that like for a while it felt very like difficult. It's almost like I was learning a new language without having the grammar sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like how do I how do I translate these to visuals? But now I know little easy ways of like, okay, what's their logo? Does that have a little bit of color? Cool. Analyze that for color. Give me the exact palette. All right, let me use that to build out some simple things. Cool. Simple ex- execution done, right? Because I mean, you really looked at it like each artist received a tenth of my attention for the day, right? That That's splitting it pretty mm-hmm. thin. So the ones where I was like, oh, I compare your asset A and your asset B together and they look like you. Boom, we got this. All right. Not on to the next, but like, like, I, I'm ready to. I'm ready to support you. I think that's a better way. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to support you with these assets. I'm comfortable in supporting you visually. All right. All right. What else do I need? You know, mm-hmm. let's let's tackle the next challenge. You know, so that's that's the approach. That's how I keep up with the the sort of needs for for a festival yeah, like that. It's a lot of needs, and that's a great point. Like I think it's important for any musician to know that. Um, it's like what you said. Like, how do you um, you're doing this like for them, and and you know. How, how much work is there really required, you know, sort of uh, going into it? Like, 
Yes. And it, it's absolutely not a call out. It's just like, a, oh, I didn't think about it that way. But, you know, in the same way that, you know, have that same consideration for the sound person or the, the LD, you know, any of these sort of quote unquote, I know the production isn't the best word. And I, I do, you know, with, with Marbender about, you know, we need a slightly better word for that. It feels a little too corporate. Um, but for anybody supporting any group of artists or anybody else for 10 hours, even that's like the catering crew, whoever, you know, that how do they scale that up? And the really it's, you do it with a smile on your face, but like realistically, when you really slice it up, it's a tenth. Of, you know, there's there's nine others of you exactly. that are coming in with this is the most important set of my life. It is. But there's nine other most important sets of your mm. life. How can we make this work for everybody? Mm. And I'm so happy that the artists and everybody giving me assets in advance and communication and all of that. It's it's a great it's, you know. I have done what dealt with other stresses and like, you know, imagine the DJ's on and five minutes into their set, someone walks off with a flash drive. I was like, Hey, can you put this on the screen? Cause that's happened to me. That that's happens. not fun. That, that did not happen with any of ours. Mm. I'm happy to say. So, tried to um, you know, thank, sure, thank you. Sure thank yeah. you team. Thank you organizers. You know, you, you kept, you kept us, um, you kept, kept the demons at bay. Mm, uh, but, uh, yeah, and it'll but, be better. Uh, you know, that, it'll that, be even better next year too even more yeah and more you know, always something to improve but anytime you're working with sound people or anybody who's supporting you always think oh wait they're supporting a lot of us okay mm -hmm. let me let me think of what's the simplest way i can make this ask and what's the simplest ask i can make right to right. to bring up my art right yeah things like i can't hear myself on stage completely fair please make that known right it's actually a problem if you don't right other things like my water is lukewarm. I asked for this chilled. Hmm. You know, like, like just find an ice cube, please. <laughs> but yeah, I think our, our, our community gets it. And that's, that's great to yeah, work with. Yeah, exactly. And just noting, like, you know, if you've got an event with like, how many people did y'all do uh Mori Bender and Jumper and Video Drum? That was like 20 artists over the weekend. Yes. Something, something like that. Something like that. So that's 5%. Yeah per artist like the way tyler breaks it down like that it's like holy shit that's so much to consider when you have to pull out all the stops for only five percent of what you have like you got 95 percent coming after that first one you know it's like woo it's a lot of work so yeah y'all are y'all are rock stars um and the oh so did someone else want to say something or there's a few more artists i wanted to get to yeah uh oh well i was uh if you want i can quickly touch on a couple of the ones that i know i haven't really spoken on yeah. uh, of my yeah Thanks. um so the three i'll i'll highlight real quick are uh the ones i did for internet club for uh luxury elite and also for chlorine mist um for internet club uh videodrome passed me um like one long video that had all the like little clips and pictures that were in the drive um and i already had them individually but having a long one was pretty sweet um yeah, thank you, video drum. That was interesting sure. that yeah super clutch video drum on that one um and and that was such an interesting set because it was so disparate and like um really like like in a good way strange like the it was it was ambient but it was also like i don't know it, it was really hard to describe it and the what i was sent was very sparse like mostly black and like choppy glitch stuff but mostly black background and just like 
color bars like really faded and i was like okay this is cool you know i could let this just play and that would already vibe with this but how can i tinge it just like a little bit in the way that it already is this and i can just you know maybe amplify that a little bit and so i just put the tiniest bit of feedback behind it and um put a different level of stutter on that feedback so that it felt like it had two separate rhythms of of strobing um strobing in the sense of like chopping of time not necessarily strobing pulses um and then i snuck the camera in in a shadowed kind of way uh once i built that and so that was really cool because i was talking to jose about it he said this is he was telling me he's like this is like true vaporwave right here um mm. the original of it uh just like the strangeness really that i think you know was that was vaporwave when it really started um so that was one uh for luxury elite uh we had a quick chat uh over discord beforehand to try to see what we wanted to do and uh she was very smart with the idea she was like so i kind of wanted to have an aquatic vibe and like um she said uh um uh like surfers and also like um the sports illustrated like swimsuit edition tapes that they did and she like mentioned those things as just like a reference point but i was like i have both of those tapes i will bring a surf tape and i've got the sports illustrated swimsuit tape <laughs> so and that was so smart. so smart because that just rocked for the set and i had like also some water clips that i've recorded just like of my friend's pool um and i use that clip all the time and like it's a it's a really just good nice fresh looking water and just like it, it's such a vibe for visuals so she was really smart with that um nice and, and it went over and so you know good notes from an artist can seriously make a difference like if they know what they want i would love it if they would express it to me and i will try to hit that specifically as i can um with what i do well, yeah listen uh, up and then, artists uh please be mindful of what you want and, and put thought into it. You know, people would love, like you heard it right here first. People love. Yeah. Uh, like let me, let me into your thinking, you mm -hmm. know, like let me world so that I can help everybody else see your world. You know, um, if this is a true collaboration, which I took it as, uh, so that was, that was cool. The very specific instruction made a difference there. Um, for chlorine mist, a uh, quick chat beforehand and, he didn't really say that he wanted anything specific, but I did a good amount of pre-listening beforehand. And I was kind of like vaguely familiar with friend zone before too. Um, and so I, he said he was going to be playing some of that friend zone music too. So I was like, okay, bet. And so he actually, as far as logos, he really only sent me friend zone stuff. And so I mm. put the friend zone logo up. Um, but for that one, I was like, this one's going to have, I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to have like an ethereal vibe to it. Um, and also some really slapping beats as well. Mm. Um, and so I was like, what do I have that is like ethereal? And I actually, I repurposed this really old collaboration that I did with a friend of mine where she was, uh, sort of like holding this orb and we, uh, took a video of it and then did a CRT rescan of that and had some feedback. And it's just literally like her turning the orb and we've got like a light shooting into the orb. So like you're looking in there and seeing the internal reflections of the orb and like showing it to you. And so I kind of made like a little super cut of that. And I had that playing at one point. That's like a 
the green orb in there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I used a pretty heavy amount of glitch and he sent me um, like some of their music videos that I was able to sort of like also do kind of like a bit of a chop of um, because they're also very like multi-layered fading in and out type things. So that was cool. And then, you know, in this drive that he sent, there was all these pictures, just like random pictures. Some of them were like the friends on album covers. Some of them were just like, random anime picture and i was like is this meant to be a a, a, like a stylistic direction or do you literally want me to use this picture i wasn't sure but i got this this funny idea to open up premiere and just take all those pictures and make them appear just in different places of the screen Mm. and also there was like some like video of like a girl crying or whatever that was like a tiktok or something and and so um i just like basically slapped together this video collage of like the pictures popping up and disappearing over time. And then, um, it was just this sort of like, like picture bookie. I don't know really how to describe it, but like the, the pictures would like pop up and disappear. And I was doing like glitch and feedback stuff with that. So it's like, I did some kind of out of the ordinary type prep work to have cool things that I knew would be, you know, visually go over well, mm-hmm. how I was going to use them specifically. I didn't know, but I w- I just had this feeling like, Oh yeah, this orb is going to look tight, yeah. like ethereal, you know, and, and from what I heard from people, they did like specifically that orb part. So I was like, yes. Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, that's all pondered. Yeah. That, no, that <laughs> set was fucking amazing. The, the chlorine mist friend zone like that. That, that then the visuals too just everything like was so ethereal like you said it like really ascended you to the heavens like that that was right so and i was i was just trying to lock into that like that feeling because honestly once the set was done i was like oh man that was actually special that was yeah. tight like yeah yeah it, it was one of my favorites of the whole weekend and um if if you were there you got to see it you were lucky and uh yeah. Lucky to experience <laughs> it's, that. It's, yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, we are we've been going for almost three hours now. So thank you so much for all your time. It's been amazing. Um, I know we probably got to get going soon. So I think we'll just start to wrap it up with any final thoughts, uh, any shout outs you want to give, anything like that. I'll shout out uh, Glitch Guild. I, I don't know. I think some of you guys are part of it. Maybe I'm on the Discord and Instagram, but waiting RFQ. He, they've got a really cool discord for anybody that's interested in getting into glitch art nice big shout out to them i know uh lords of light is a really good one i don't know if that's public but uh i'll check yeah I'm, I'm in there nice oh yeah we're yeah i'll check that one out lords too. of light board i think is public nice yeah uh patrick yeah oh um what are we doing shout outs yeah sure any final oh. remarks? Oh, well, any final remarks? Oh, well, I mean, I got to, you know, thank all of all of you all here, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. you know, on the on the visual side, like how how amazing was it to be able to perform with everyone? You know, you don't you you rarely get these chances, you know, so it, it's just, it's just amazing, you know, to have such a collective group of people, you know what I'm saying, all under one roof. You know, that you know that everyone's been you know following and you know just 
you know, just watching everyone's progress mm-hmm. like over the years. So, I mean, that's, that's, what's amazing to me. I mean, plus, I mean, on top of that, like just being able to perform together, it's just meeting everyone, you know, in person and, you know, not over this, you know, over the internet, things like that, like actually physically meeting people, which I guess again, turns to like my, my visual is, you know, is physical, you know, like I'm all mm. about, you know, pushing buttons and, you know, you know, physically being there. So that's like a, a major part of it. But I mean, and again, like, thank you, Indy. You know what I'm saying? My pet flamingo. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, all this wouldn't happen without you guys. Like, that's the major, major part of it. It's an honor. Shout out. We're so happy to do it. And we're so happy it turned out well. And everyone had a great time and got to, you know, get some of that, that artistic energy out. Yeah. I um, mean, I know, you know what I'm saying? I t- took a step back and, you know, because I wanted to, you know, actually, you know, appreciate and enjoy the show and just had a few sets, you know, that I ran. But I mean, everyone's was phenomenal. Like every everything just looks so perfect. You, you just couldn't ask for anything better. Like I really didn't see any hiccups or anything like it was everything was smooth. Thank you so much, bro. That means a lot. Yeah. I just want to add on that too real quick. Yep, like please shout out to, you know, Utopia District, My Pet Flamingo. You know, y- you guys, there there was no like, okay, this is what it needs to look at. This is what you need to do. This is what needs to be on screen. You guys were so open and encouraging to all of our styles and what we brought to the table. So, and the collaboration. So definitely massive shout out to both of, you know, the teams because being able to, put you know our own spin and our you know interpretation onto the screen was was a huge you know just for me it was it made everything worthwhile mm-hmm. so awesome and some of the, these artists like y'all have been huge fans of and now you're working together you know or just all yeah. different kinds of shit like yeah. that thank you yeah thank you for putting us all together like that's that's what's amazing <laughs> no problem man no problem keep the gems close right right yeah, I couldn't ask for a better team to work with. You know, it's it's been amazing all these years. Mm-hmm. Yep. The whole extended Vapor team. Ronnie, shouts out Ronnie, Vapor Space. Oh, big up, Ron. Love him. Absolutely. Shout out, Ronnie. Awesome. Uh, Tyler, any final remarks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I know, you know, we were talking about all the resources that it takes to do this uh, with international, you know, artists and on this this big, mm-hmm. amazing, beautiful scale. That was interesting. Uh, but also on the local and on the monthly, uh, shout outs to Chris Nostalgia, shout outs to uh, Groovy Kaiju, Aaron, mm-hmm. um, being a co-owner of that with me. We're doing uh, Future Funk and City Pop, Peach uh, Focus Night, and some Y2K spillover every month. So trying to keep things alive going on, you know, Los Angeles uh, for the other 11 too. months of the year. And then, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And shout out to High Tide. They've been an amazing partner venue for us. And um, it was really easy to put, you know, you guys in touch. And, and um, you know, I think a fantastic uh, first day experience. Um, and, uh, yeah, just love continuing working with uh, uh, Catch One. And I hope, um, you know, this, this series, this live experience gets to continue. And I hope, you know, there's there's uh, that, that uh, investment in artists continues and just mm-hmm. allow us to do our best. and we will deliver. So mm. thanks to all of you for, for making that happen. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, I got a, I got a shout out, uh, shout out, uh, Pacific Plaza record hey. and, uh, yeah, sweat dot biz down in San Diego that happens. Um, Aglado was out here for the fest too. I got to hang out with him and I, I hadn't even met him yet. Uh, and San Diego is not that far from LA, but you know, luckily this fest, 
had a way of uh, bringing everybody together, lo- like mm-hmm. semi-local, non-local at all people. So like definitely shout out to everybody that traveled for the event, which is basically everybody except for like me and tyler <laughs> um like yeah shouts out all the crew too, utopia district crew man fucking y'all held that fort down it's crazy great people just good people yeah. everybody making it happen awesome all right any more shout outs uh shout out arthur the street performer over in little tokyo uh he's cool he's great oh awesome <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. All right, y'all. Well, thank you so much. If there's anyone we didn't mention or any topic we didn't cover, we're so, so sorry. Um, uh, please uh, check out the description of the show and give everybody a follow. Uh, all Hell Breaks Loops, Jumper Kimmins, Moray Bender, and Videodrome TV. They're all the best at what they do. They're so kind and, and amazing, such amazing people. Definitely show them some support. And follow us, uh, Utopia District Podcast. You can follow on any podcast platform you use. You can check out us, uh, check us out on YouTube. We've got a lot of cool stuff there. A lot of these fine folks' video work is on there from some of our online fests. Uh, check out the live stream VOD. We have uh, check them out on Twitch. YouTube blocked the day two one, but it's still available. Don't worry, I'm gonna be bringing it back over to YouTube very soon. And keep your eyes peeled for the supercut. We're putting together all the footage and photos we can find into a final video that'll include a lot of what we uh, missed with the day two live stream VOD. Um, And uh, follow us on Bandcamp. Hit that uh, follow button, and that way you'll be able to keep up with all of our emails. Um, We're basically using email as our Bandcamp as our email system right now, unless we switch to Shopify someday or something else. But uh, yeah, if you want to get a tape or a VHS or anything too, we also have lots of those uh, with great videos by all the fine folks here on the call as well. <laughs> uh, uh, and that's it for me. Thank you so much, guys. I'll leave you all with the final chance or final words. Thank you, guys, man. It's just been awesome to be a part of this experience and get to know you guys in person. Be talking online for a few months or years in advance. Really happy to be working with you. Can't wait to work with you guys again. It's amazing. Same here, friend. Are you driving now? Careful. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. Yeah, you switched out mid-call. Thank you for staying along to the end, by the way. Appreciate that, everybody. Um, Any final words? Anyone else? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you again. Like, you know what I'm saying? Thank you. know, this is is amazing. Like, I, um... I mean, sometimes just words just can't even like really appreciate it. You know, yeah. I, you know, I was able to to really take yeah. in the show, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's nice to, it's nicer. You know, what I'm saying just take it all in, and you know, I mean, you know, I'm almost at loss of words. Just I know that we've been on for three hours, yeah. you know, and I, I, you know, I, I it, it, thank you. That's really what it comes down to. Thanks, bro. Yeah, it's it's like you, when you're. I saw you running around taking all the pictures, man. Thank you so much. I hope you got to enjoy as much of the show as you uh, hoped as you could. And then just like stepping back and like realizing like I'm in L.A. right now running this shit. Like you're running video photography. Like we're all running something. Maybe we're a musician. Maybe we're running the the uh, flight and running to physically get there. You know, like people – 
all the ticket holders, just everybody is just, just working and spreading the love. You know, it's it's amazing and truly, truly something special. Like you said, video drum. I wouldn't trade it for and, anything and, else. And we, and it's and, and like uh, this is only the beginning too. You know what I'm saying? Like there, I look forward to to many many more shows mm-hmm. coming up. It's funny when you look back at the past, you're like, oh, yeah, all that shit. It's like, it's cool. You know, you did it. And you always focus on like what's now or what's like the most immediate what's next. And you never think about like three years ahead or two. It's like, what what could this be? You know, Utopia Mm -hmm. District is a great example. Like started out pretty much just as this podcast with some people from Private Suite that wanted to continue writing. And I was like, sure, let's throw it on the website you know and and here we are now running this fucking flamingo fest so awesome so crazy anyway thank you so much for all your kind words my friend um and more bender i think yeah. yeah um i was gonna kind of say a similar thing to video drum is like i have so many things that we've like both already said and could say but really i find myself just coming back to like man that was fun yeah it was, it was just <laughs> Yeah, and i was just so stoked by the end of it like once we were done and i was just vibing at the after party uh thing that went like an extra couple hours and like i'd already finished putting away all my stuff and i was just like man i'm just still having fun like all of this was totally in the name of fun and like the maximum fun that we could have and that's why you organize and plan and like delegate roles because in the end, mm. the final product that it creates is the maximum fun that we could all be having mm-hmm. here. Um, and so I just, I had max fun. And so that's, that's my takeaway really. Yeah. Like it doesn't seem like fun always at the time, especially all the logistical stuff and team, like, you know, everyone's working essentially, but that's part of the fun, right? Like that's, yeah what you what it takes to put it together and make it possible and you yeah, look back after you see yeah. you know where all your work went and what it created and it's just this highly positive like okay yes that was all worth it that you know i see where my efforts went and like even though it felt like work like by the end of it the positivity of that creation like it, it just justifies it mm-hmm. really yeah exactly it makes it all all worth it and and it and you don't know that until it's over right um right you really yeah yeah <laughs> shouts out to anyone that uh, came to the after party by the way and stuck it out for the extra two or three hours so we could see some of those final performers and uh yeah like all the people that everybody that came was so awesome like there's no problems with anyone really like you know everyone was safe and kind Excuse me. And all the people that hung out till the very end, it was like you got to meet more, you know, it was like a more intimate kind of thing. It was like, oh, you're you're hanging out here. Oh, man, you're like a real one. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, that was that was funny. But anyway, um, I think we'll call it. Thank you so much, all. It's been an honor. Such a pleasure. Uh, the I've been staring at this signed Flamingo Fest poster from our Instagram post the whole time, making sure I cover all the artists and whatnot. And uh, it's so fucking amazing to see everyone's name here, like written in time forever. And so we're we're putting um we're putting it up on on uh, Bandcamp, 
If you want to buy a laminated copy of the poster to put on your wall, check us out. Uh, keep an eye on our email. You know, we'll be putting them up for sale soon. But yeah, that's it. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having us, man. Anytime. Yeah. Can't wait till what we do next. Definitely won't be Flamingo Fest, but it's something fun, I'm sure. Give me like six months <laughs> before I snooze, start snooze thinking them. about this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a great week and be well. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Later. See you soon. See you. See ya. See ya.